Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This, to me, is like the really fascinating material. Don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind-boggling. We can't just believe that it was the work of these bone-troubled individuals. Look at that and say, well, they, the, the Illuminati or somebody planned this right now. Looking for meaningful patterns. Looking for meaningful patterns. Looking for meaningful patterns. So, what do you call your show? It's Conspiranormal. Oh, okay. So we, we, and you have, been, you have been on how long? Uh, we've been around for six years. Over oh my six goodness. years. Yeah. And you just. You just asked me now to be on the program. <laughs> how have you about it? How have you? And you do it what once once a week? Yeah, we do it once a week. Yeah, uh, boy, oh boy, getting getting those guests is uh, you know, you try to get the best guests and once in a while uh, we had John Lear scheduled to go on our show and he never he, he never answered. I don't know why. Oh, really? I know he's been ill, so I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, well, and, and we have since we have two two hosts and plenty of uh, a guest in the background. You know, so. Well, I listened to some of your um, to one of your shows. Um, you had yes. uh, Peter Robbins on, uh, oh, yeah. talking about him and his sister Helen Wills. I know Peter pretty well. Um, yeah, I got to uh, got to know him very well. I went to Ithaca and stayed a few days with him oh, last wonderful, year. Wonderful. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a he's a friend of um, uh, mine. Uh, we we he comes into the city a couple of times a year and uh, we have Indian food uh, together. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got to. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. The year before that, uh, well, a friend of mine and I flew to New York and to the city, and it just happened that uh, he was going to be there, so he gave us a tour mm-hmm. around, uh, oh, yeah. like Lower Manhattan, which was really oh, yeah. cool. Uh, Peter definitely oh, yeah. knows his way around. He, um, he's, uh, I guess, I, I, were you are you born in New York City? Are you originally well, from there? I'm from New Jersey. Well, about thirty miles away. Okay. Okay. But as soon as I, as soon as I got, um, uh, you know, in my in my teens, I I came over here and, uh, sure. uh, you know, I saw no I saw no reason really to uh, to go back. I mean, it was a totally uh, I I disliked the school, the high school, and <laughs> the kid the kids were boring, boring and knew nothing in those days. I mean, they really had no uh, a grasp of uh, reality or unreality, to be uh, honest with you. And I came over here, and it was a totally different uh, setup, you know. And I said, "Geez, this is a little bit." And of course, it was the '60s. You know, I, I, I guess I first hit the um, uh, the streets of Manhattan. Must have been around 1966 or something like that. You know? Okay, yeah. So you've been there. So a good, yeah. good while, yeah. yeah. 
I, I, oh, I have. I've been in the same place 40-something years, uh, actually, maybe longer than that. 1972, I moved in here, and... Uh, Oh, wow. uh, but uh, and, uh, yeah, in those days, there was nobody in the neighborhood. It was like uh, at six o'clock, uh, the the block uh, and the surrounding blocks uh, shut down. There wasn't even a bar. I mean, uh, well, there, <laughs> there was downstairs. There was a piano bar, but the, she closed, went out of business, and and that was it. There was nothing here. And and now on on one corner, we have a high rise that's going up to sixty five floors, and on the other corner, of Madison Avenue, it's fifty five floors. And there's one across the street that I have no idea uh, how tall that's going to uh, to be. And there's a vacant lot right next to me where the New York 14 Society used to hold their meetings. And it, oh, uh, they, nice. uh, I, I don't know if it got condemned, but they, uh, they, uh, they tore down uh, the building and made a big giant lot. But they've never built on it, which is okay with me because otherwise the building would shake and... Uh, uh, you know, it would be even dustier than it is. I mean, uh, I'm totally allergic to dust, and I'm surrounded by like five thousand books and fifty file cabinets. You know, I mean, it's just it's, it's dreadful. Dreadful. Did, did you? We we have started. I mean, I'm just like a little bit of banter. You know, I, yeah. um, did did you own a bookstore? No, but I ran one of the first metaphysical centers uh, in New York. Nineteen. Uh, 19- well, you know, I, I can't even tell you the, uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 all this stuff is, is, is so many years ago. I mean, I just turned 71. It's no uh, secret. So we're talking about things that happened a half century ago. Sometimes your memory uh, uh, fades, and sometimes you went out at night and it faded the next day pretty quickly, you know. <laughs> but we, we, uh, and now we started the New York School of Occult Arts and Sciences, which was one of the first, if not the first, metaphysical center in the uh, country and uh, we had uh, classes and workshops uh on everything from uh, how to use herbs how to use the ouija board safely astral projection classes in tarot we had uh, saturday night uh, seances and we had like a classroom uh, set up it was a very uh, it was a nice size uh, loft and in those days uh rents were uh, reasonable to say the uh, to say the least today I, I don't know how you could possibly do anything uh, like that, you know. So we brought in uh, uh, speakers from all over the country. Uh, you know, there was more of a touring uh, situation where uh, uh, speakers and uh, authorities on uh, various uh, subjects uh, would go from town to town, especially the UFO contactees, you know, the uh, people that claimed that they had gone for rides in uh, flying saucers, uh, usually from the West Coast. They would hop on a Greyhound and... Uh, and, and and move around and give their lectures and sh- show their slides. And, of course, everybody says, oh, you know, they're doing it for making the money. Well, I, for making money, well, believe me, there was no money. They, they slept on the couches on, uh, you know, people in, in people's uh, homes and, uh, uh, you know, uh, wait, uh, waited for a free meal here and there and, uh, uh, like I say, uh, traveled from town to town on a, on a Greyhound uh, a bus. There was no lavish uh, lifestyle going on uh, there. Uh, they oh, they felt that they had to get the uh, the word uh, out, whatever the word is. That, uh, you know, when people say, well, did you believe their stories? Or do you believe their stories? Well, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a book publisher. I, I, I've actually uh, been uh, fairly successful. I've got 305 uh, titles. 
And uh, back in the 80s, uh, it was mind-blowing. I mean, any time you put out a book, you could sell two, 3,000 copies in, in, in a, couple of mo- a couple of months and reprint. Uh, today, the, uh, the field is much more uh, crowded. And, of course, you've only really got uh, one or two um, uh, marketplaces. But uh, even though I'm semi-retired, I put out three new titles a month. So I'm, oh, I, wow, I still that's keep, a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, we have 305 titles. Uh, now, th- these are not books that I've necessarily written myself, uh, but I-, I have pretty much a hand in everything. And then also, yeah. uh, I edited uh, over the years uh, 30 different newsstand uh, uh, magazines, some of them on UFOs. I-, I had a UFO newspaper called the UFO Review that lasted, I guess, for maybe eight or ten uh, years. Uh, we called it the official flying saucer newspaper, the UFO Review, and and that had a pretty big circulation. I, I mean, we got about thirty five thousand copies out on the newsstand all over the country, and then I did a a, a magazine for a larger publisher called UFO Universe, uh, which was uh, uh, lasted for eleven years until the bottom of the uh, uh, magazine publishing business just collapsed. Uh, one morning, I got a a call from the publisher saying. Uh, you know, like we're, we're going, uh, you know, we're we're going bankrupt, and it, it wasn't because of UFO Universe. In fact, that was doing relatively well because it didn't cost any real money to uh, to uh, put out. You know, uh, but uh, the uh, newsstands, well, you know, for a fact, how many bookstores are there? I mean, just a handful outside of Barnes and Noble, uh, and and the newsstands, you can't find a newspaper here. I, I mean, we used to have uh, big uh, newsstands in New York. Where you could go and buy news uh, newspapers from all over the world. Yeah, you, know, you see all that stands. in the movies and stuff, like the older yeah, movies. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't exist. I have to walk three blocks to buy a a, a copy of the New York Post. Uh, you know, I, I so I, I you know it, uh, everything's changed. The publishing business is, uh, has changed uh, greatly over the uh, years, but uh, uh, we do it because uh, we like uh, we like the topic. Uh, I, I like uh, publishing, even though it can be a, a frustrating uh, uh, occupation. And, and I believe that people should have the opportunity to read a, a variety of uh, literature. So uh, people ask me, well, you know, do you believe in all the books that you uh, publish? Well, no publisher does. I, I mean, you know, uh, the, the the big publisher that puts out Mein Kampf for the Communist Manifesto or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, he puts it out because you put... You know, you believe in the the, the right to people to read, uh, you know, literature. I mean, we do have uh, that's one of the amendments of the Constitution that a lot of people have have uh, forgotten about. You know, and uh, uh, anyway, so we do the we do publishing, and people buy the books, and uh, some some people that are in the field uh, are in the field because they like to be entertained, and that's fine with me uh, too. And other people. Because they want to make a serious uh, study uh, uh, of it, I, I find myself kind of somewhere in between. I mean, uh, my my opinions, uh, which are subject to change over the years, are, are uh, uh, varied. To be uh, honest with you, you know, most people uh, expect me to say that uh, I think that all flying saucers uh, come from outer space, and and the truth of the matter is, I think dreadfully few of them do. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with yeah. that. I think you're pretty. Yeah. Like, I've I've heard a couple of interviews with you, and um, you pretty yeah. much ride on where I, where I am on this whole uh-huh. UFO subject. That there's a lot more going yeah. on than just yeah. little green men from Zeta Reticuli. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, well, you, you know, well, you know, there is obviously there is you know a physical uh, uh, evidence. Um, um, there, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Heineck and. Uh, 
uh, several other researchers used to collect, uh, you know, soil samples and go to uh, places like uh, um, uh, Socorro, New Mexico, where Lonnie Zamora, the police officer, uh, you know, saw the object uh, land and uh, and they had uh, impressions in the ground. So uh, these objects can be physical at times, but uh, other times they are literally like will-o'-the-wisps. Uh, they come and they go and uh, uh, people ask me, what's my opinion on UFOs? And I say, well, it doesn't really matter what my opinion is because they uh, they act independently of my uh, feelings and anybody else's for that matter. <laughs> at any given time, you're right, yeah. And, and, the phenomenon absolutely. throws you a loop most of the time. Well, just when you think you might be onto yeah. something, uh, you're not. Now, I, I do I do believe, uh, okay, uh, a lot of this is, like I say, uh, I, I would call it singular phenomena. I mean, people are looking at it to think that we're looking for a group of the same thing. But some things, sometimes things happen in nature and in the world that are singular, that will never happen again. And there's no, there's no rhyme or reason uh, for it. It just is. And so you're kind of wasting your time searching for a reason. It's like, you know, parapsychologists that are out there to try to move objects and say, well, we know that this happens, but you can't create it for the most part in a, a laboratory. And when you do, uh, it, it, it seems suspicious uh, some, of the, uh, some of the times, you know. It, it's not... Um, uh, it, it, it reproduces itself when it wants to in its own uh, way. And one thing that happens in North Dakota may not uh, be the same that ha to something that happens in uh, Connecticut, even though it may make the same uh, appearance. I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's just my thinking on it. And, 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 then, and then I think that uh, some of what people see uh, is uh, what we would call a secret uh, technology. Uh, now I'm, I'm sure you've discussed uh, a project paperclip uh, on your on your show since it oh, is. Oh yeah, yeah. A, we've a, talked a, to yeah, yeah. We've talked to Nick yeah. Redfern about a lot of that. Um, some of his ideas on what you know what happened right. in Roswell and all that. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I did, now I don't believe it has anything what's whatsoever to do with the Russians. I don't know how he come up with that uh, conclusion or the Japanese. I think I I I just feel that here we bought all these. Uh, Nazi sympathizers and Nazis over uh, they went to work uh, for uh, developing rockets here yeah. and we do know that they had a different sort of technology that they were working on which might have been based upon uh, channeling sessions that several mediums uh, got from uh, uh, some other uh, star system or something yeah, I mean that, that's speculation but that's the way the, uh, uh, the story goes so they brought these scientists over who pretended to, uh, you know, the uh, love America, and they they weren't. They were uh, they were uh, Nazis, and uh, uh, they developed this uh, uh, formula for rocket propulsion and space travel, and it was kept a secret. So there were two forms of uh, uh, two space programs being developed at the same time. One that we know uh, about using a fuel that will take you to the uh, uh, moon with great thrust, uh, even though we haven't really been back. I mean, uh, which seems kind of uh, uh, peculiar. And then there's this secret uh, technology that's been going on uh, behind our back, perhaps at Area 51 or Pine Gap or, or uh, uh, other uh, places. Now, why this hasn't been... Um, 
um, made known is somewhat of a uh, uh, mystery, except maybe there is something to the uh, the concept that there's a secret uh, uh, government. I'm not sold on it. I, I, I'm not a big believer in the Illuminati ruling the world and the reptilians. The, the, the queen, uh, you know, turns into a reptilian. I, 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 don't, I, I don't swallow that for one minute. Now, there may be reptilians. I'm an old fan of the Shaver mystery, if you're familiar with that. Uh, uh, you know, Richard yeah, Shaver. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah. I need you know, to get Tim Swartz on to talk about yeah. that. He's, is he, he's apparently like yeah. an expert on that. Well, now, I knew Shaver. Uh, oh, did I mean, you? Uh, we, wow. Oh, yes. Well, means, yes, yes. Well, I, got, I cut my teeth. All right. How I got started uh, uh, writing. When I was 14 years old, I went out and I purchased a mimeograph machine uh, and uh, started printing a newsletter. It was called the Interplanetary News Service Report. And the first issue that I printed was 75 copies, and it was, um, I think, about 10 pages long. And in those days, there was no quick copy or any fancy equipment or anything. You set up an ironing board, you stacked the paper, and you collated it by hand and stapled it, <laughs> put a label on it, and took it to the post office. Not much different than we do today, to be honest with you, but it, it, it was, uh, at least the printing is a little bit better. And the ink was all over the house. I mean, it looked like a crime scene, except that the fingerprints were in black ink instead of red ink. And my mother threw me out of the house, and I had to work on the back porch, uh, where it was damn cold in the winter. But I, I, I you know, I, can, I continued on with my follies. To That's the dedication, where, Tim. That's dedication. Uh, dedica dedication. Yeah. And I, 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 was a, I was a teenager, uh, you know. At, uh, I started at 14 or around then, because I had a, a couple of sightings when I was uh, 10 of UFOs over the house. Uh, so I, I continued this on to the point where it got too much uh, to uh, uh, to do. Uh, the newsletter started um, uh, becoming uh, 30 or 40 pages, a lot more collating. And we had a circulation of about 1,500. Wow. And, uh, and, and uh, in fact, Nightcap, which was the large UFO organization, you know, Major Kehoe ran, mm -hmm. uh, he had... Um, I don't know. He had seven or eight thousand members. Then there was APRO, uh, the Jim and Cor Lorenzen down there in Tucson, and, and they they had about uh, fifteen or sixteen hundred uh, members. But they were a little bit more open minded. You know, they uh, were uh, Kehoe was only interested in uh, in pilot reports and police officers chasing UFOs. The uh, Lorenzens translated a lot of the foreign clippings, and they included. Uh, humanoid uh, sightings and, and, and stuff. And I, I, I was more sympathetic to their cause, uh, even though they were not the, uh, the friendliest of, uh, of uh, folk. But uh, we, were, we were pretty much up there, uh, I mean, uh, you know, in, in circulation and in notoriety. Uh, and then a, a friend of mine, uh, Jim Mosley, uh, had a, a magazine called Saucer News. Uh, for some reason, he, he was on the Long John Neville show. That was the first... Uh, paranormal program that was on all night and oh the, the big flap of uh, what was a 65 hit you know the uh, the swamp gas in michigan and suddenly his, the subscriptions to his magazine he had 10,000 subscribers so he bought me out he didn't offer me any money but he took over my subscriptions and he hired me as managing editor of saucer news and i started going to new york uh, every uh, day to to work at a um, uh, a small office right around the corner and you were how old uh, at this yeah. point well, I, I would have been uh, under 20. I, okay. I, I can't tell you. Uh, well, 
Uh, let me see. That would have been about 1967, 68, uh, I believe. So, yeah, yeah, under, under, under 20. Then I, then I started along the line, uh, in addition to running the Occult Center, I started promoting uh, uh, rock and roll shows. I mean, nothing fancy, uh, no Rolling Stones or uh, Grateful uh, Dead or anything. Uh, and I definitely uh, want to uh, talk like to you that. about that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing <laughs> fancy is good. We're from yeah. Nashville, so yeah. we're really heads in. Yeah, into, we had know. we had bands. We had bands in New York, uh, like um, oh, the Magic Tramps, the Harlots of Forty Second Street, and the big band would have been uh, the New York Dolls. Yeah, yeah, they were oh, kind of the first glitter band. Well, I, I'm uh, a big Arthur, New York Dolls Arthur, fan, by the way, Tim. Well, there you go. Well, Arthur Kane, the uh, bass player, uh, known as Killer Kane was a good friend of mine he used he and his wife barbara uh, used to come to our ufo uh, conferences and the band had finally gotten together uh, after uh, 30 years and he had uh, invited me uh, backstage they were playing at uh, randall's uh, uh, island and i wondered you know like a day or two before the event why he hadn't gotten in touch with me and uh, let me know you know where i should go to pick up my backstage pass and all and somebody called me like at two o'clock in the morning and told me he passed away. He died on my birthday. So, I mean, that's something I can't, uh, you know, forget. But we did have his uh, very uh, lovely uh, wife, uh, Barbara Kane, on our uh, show uh, exploring the uh, bazaar. So we, we, talked, we talked about uh, a punk rock with uh, Peter because his sister was Helen Wheels. Oh, yeah. Uh, performed with a, a boa constrictor and uh, was... Uh, I wrote some of the music for Blue Oyster Cult, and then we mm -hmm. talked to Barbara Kane about glitter, uh, which was uh, glitter and glam. In fact, I was on uh, Edgar Winter's uh, Frankenstein album, Hell yeah. which went platinum. Now, I'm not a musician. However, there is a song on the album called We All Had a Really Good Time. The record company locked us in a recording studio with about three bottles of Jack Daniels. Uh, it was me, Bette Midler, I think Rick Derringer, uh, a couple of guys from the Chambers Brothers got us all drunk. And if you play that song on the <laughs> Frankenstein album, you'll hear party noises and clapping and whoopee. And, and, and so I'm on there somewhere clapping my hands and rattling my keys. But it's a platinum album. <laughs> so, there you and, and of course that was that was the album where edgar who is basically a blues player uh dressed up all in glam uh you know with the uh the eye shadow and the uh, glitter on his face and the whole bit he hate he absolutely hated that but i guess uh somewhere along the line the record co uh, t uh, company told him that was uh, the thing that was happening and that was going to make him uh, popular and rich and it made him popular. That's for that's for sure because that album uh, they still play the song. Oh yeah, you hear it. You hear it a lot. Well, yeah, I hear it a lot. You know, and 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 so uh, there you go. I, I've had a a, a a a career that has uh, uh, varied. And then of course I've made movies too. I I'm known as Mister Creepo. I, I make a low budget, or I have. I haven't done this in a while. Low budget horror uh, movies. Uh, now everybody else is making them, and you can't uh, get any decent distribution uh, on it. You got to throw it on Amazon and make uh, you know twenty bucks a month or something like that. What, uh, what were the titles of some of the movies that you made? Okay, well now here this kind of ties in. One of them was called Sandy Hook Lingerie Massacre Party. Nothing to do whatsoever with the the Sandy Hook in Connecticut 
It's the Sandy Hook in New Jersey, which is the sure. real Sandy Hook. In fact, yeah. I did a little research on this. There are nine Sandy Hooks in the, uh, in North America, uh, eight in the uh, continental U.S., and uh, one in Canada. So it's a rather popular uh, destination depending upon where you live. Well, for some reason, uh, 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 Alex Jones, on, on his website, he got uh, apparently an email from someone who had a, a copy of the Russian version of Sandy Hook. And when you look at the, uh, the video, uh, oh, when you look at the Batman video, uh, uh, the, uh, Batman and the, yeah, the Dark City Knight. Era, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Night, you're looking at the map and it says Sandy Hook on it. And he saw the movie uh, on the same day he, he saw that in the, in the Batman. I, it didn't even make any sense to me and it still doesn't. But uh, when the movie was uh, re-released like three or four years ago, we, we changed the name of it. Because they were even claiming that the, uh, the lead uh, actress, uh, Debbie Rashan was one of the so-called actors in the uh, <laughs> supposed... Uh, say, I, I, really? It, it, it just boggles the mind. I mean, Alex Jones will just make uh, anything up. I mean, uh, and, and, and that ter- kind of turned me bitter against him and uh, uh, David Icke and all, because, you know, there are conspiracies, but when you, you see everything is a conspiracy, it kind of yeah. blows away the ones that are real yeah they're, the they're, they're hustlers they, you know obviously they're just hustlers yeah 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 well you can be you know it's the way you present it you know alex jones gets on there and he rants and he raves you know you can have you and i both uh, on our shows have guests on and they have a variety of opinions yeah, and sometimes you know uh, uh, and and sometimes the guests may have some uh, evidence and sometimes you you just think well this guy where is he getting this from? You know, I mean, uh, if you want to believe that we didn't go to the moon, we we could believe that. Do you think we went to the moon? I believe that we went to the moon, yes. I think the yeah, real I, question I, I, is what you asked earlier, why we didn't yeah. go back to the moon. Ooh. That is a, a key question. Yeah. And, and I think that there may be some problem with, with the dating on the event. Uh, there's a... Um, Oh my goodness! I'm gonna I'm uh, I'm gonna slap myself for not I'm remembering a, I'm the guy's I'm a moon name. agnostic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't. Uh, you know, I knew Edgar Mitchell and and, and uh, uh, Gordon Cooper. Uh, I wouldn't call him a close friend, but we call, we talked on the phone a couple of times, and uh, uh, he chastised me once because he thought that I had said on uh, the t- uh, radio that he had seen the alien bodies at uh, uh, Roswell. Well, I never said that he said that, but what he had said on the Merv Griffin show is that he had been told stories uh, about people who were, had seen, uh, you know, alien bodies and, and all of that, you know, speculation uh, type of stuff. And that's what I said, but uh, somehow it was like playing a, telef- a game of telephone where everything had just kind of gotten, uh, you know, twisted uh, around. But he did tell me um, uh, about his uh, real UFO sightings that he had while he was stationed in Germany. On uh, several days in a row, uh, they chased, uh, and he was one of the pilots, uh, a whole uh, uh, flotilla or formation, or maybe it was just six craft. I don't don't know. But uh, they went up and they chased these objects uh, that were being picked up on radar, and they were quickly outdistanced by uh, the uh, UFOs. 
And then, of course, there was an incident at Edwards Air Force Base uh, where supposedly he was showed a film that somebody had taken of an object on the ground with a, a tripod uh, landing uh, gear. And some people say, no, it was a weather balloon and he got the story wrong. And, and, and you know, it's, a, it's part of UFO uh, mythos. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, these stories are out there and some of them are more speculative uh, than uh, others. Uh, but they're all kind of fascinating. You know, over the years, like I say, I've, I've done all these other things, but somehow I've always managed to float back uh, to uh, the uh, the one subject that I kind of like the uh, the most. Uh, and I kind of am, am depressed when, uh, you know, a, a lot of guys get into the field and think that they're going to find a solution, uh, you know, in six months. Uh, of course, this went on more so in the, in the old days, uh, the pioneering uh, days of, of uh, ufology than uh, today. Uh, I think uh, now we realize that there's no one single answer to, to any of this. Tim, what kind of um, your association with John Kill, I mean, what, what kind of influence did he have on like, on your thinking? Because I know that he, I mean, Kill is pretty much cited as one of the the first to kind of bring this whole yeah. the, the whole idea that we're dealing with something a lot more than just a lot more than spacecraft that there's something a lot more to it well you know that that is true to some degree but there were there were others if you you ring, read some of the early uh, uh, issues of fate magazine uh they had a, a a fellow who believed that ufos were uh space animals or creatures that were alive in the uh, uh, li- living in the uh, you know uh, atmosphere, there was uh, Mead Lane, uh, who had an organization called the uh, BSRA Borderland Sciences Research uh, Association, and uh, they were channeling uh, uh, beings, and they they thought that they were uh, uh, interdimensional. In fact, the so-called landing at uh, Edwards Air Force Base that Eisenhower uh, supposedly uh, witnessed and. Uh, uh, converse with these aliens. It was because of Mead Lane and the BSRA that this information originally came out. There was a, a fellow, I believe a pseudonym. Uh, you can look on the internet, you'll find the original letter that he wrote uh, to BSRA and Mead Lane uh, about the incident that uh, took place. And he said that Eisenhower had been contacted and there were several other witnesses to the event, which is not usually brought out and one of them was a, a Catholic uh, a priest, uh, I believe. And these people are all named in the uh, in the uh, the affidavit. And of course, uh, Eisenhower. They claimed uh, that he he wasn't uh, at uh, any meeting with aliens. That he had been called away uh, to a dental appointment. He'd been playing golf. I know why all presidents play golf. Uh, he was he was playing golf, <laughs> and he got a, 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 a you know a toothache or a wisdom tooth was bothering him up. So they. They took him, uh, you know, uh, somewhere to get his uh, teeth worked on when he was supposedly meeting with uh, uh, aliens. So I, I don't know. Uh, that, that's the story. The story's there, and uh, you can accept it or not. It's one that's uh, lasted. And, and I, I do believe that uh, there have been uh, uh, cases where these uh, beings or entities have uh, infiltrated uh, society because uh, some of them... Uh, actually are said to be shapeshifters. They can uh, disguise their identities, and, and they could be living and walking uh, right amongst us. In fact, I'm working on a book, one of the three for next month, 
uh, uh, called uh, you know alien underground alien bases, although all the bases are not underground. And, and we have uh, uh, hidden in plain sight a chapter where we talk about these supposed UFO uh, or alien conclaves that are right in plain sight, uh, but people are just not aware of who's uh, you know living in that. Uh, a complex up in the mountains uh, there somewhere. Oh, but to get back to John uh, Keel, um, he lived in the neighborhood uh, here, I mean, about maybe six blocks uh, away. And uh, we went to the movies together. We, we socialized. I mean, it wasn't all just uh, uh, UFOs. Sure. It, in fact, he, he always said he didn't uh, like ufologists as a, uh, because they were they had no other interest, uh, you know, I mean, and, and just quizzed them day and night on all of this. And, and you know, he was a poet. He wrote a, a lot of other things. And he uh, was a, a comedy writer for uh, uh, a couple of TV shows and all that. He was a really, uh, I didn't know that well, about, I didn't know that about him. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, huh. uh, he wrote, now let me, let, let me think of this. Uh, uh, what's my line to tell the truth. Really? Uh, he was, he was involved in that. Yeah. And, um, uh, anyway, he he had a lot of other you know interests and things that he uh, he did. I, I guess it all kind of started for him uh, when he went uh, down to West Virginia. Now we think of uh, West Virginia and John Keel uh, as a Mothman uh, t- uh, territory, you know, Point Pleasant and the collapse of the uh, the Silver Bridge uh, and so forth. But he had actually gone down there. He was writing a uh, column for a national newspaper uh, syndicate. And he went down there to investigate the case of a flying cat or a cat with wings. Hmm. Uh, uh, in fact, which I've, uh, I've written about it, it, that you can find on the Internet, too. I mean, the cat had what looked like wings and they found them in a tree. So I guess they thought he flew up there. But as we know, cats can usually climb up a tree and can't get down. Uh, and that seemed the problem. And then the cat disappeared. I mean, it, it was it was a kind of a wild story in itself. And while he was down there, I guess uh, the Mothman sightings broke. And then he, he went back uh, and revisited the area several times and uh, got in, uh, uh, in in touch with Mary Heyer and had uh, uh, meetings with uh, Woody Derenberger, the contactee who said that he had uh, uh, met up with uh, Indrid uh, Cold from the planet uh, Lanulos. Yep. And then they be, began, call, began calling his hotel room uh, late at night. You know, I, it was a whole wild story, but he seemed really... Now, they were even invading his uh, apartment, I mean, these entities and all. I mean, he claimed that uh, they would uh, walk through the door. I don't know whether the door was open or closed. I can't remember. And go underneath the sink and disappear. You know, there's a cabinet that kind of opens up, and they would uh, uh, crawl through. And I've heard other stories that uh, are similar to that. There's a uh, a case in one of our books that uh, took place, uh, may still be going on now, in the Black Forest of Colorado, where this fellow had all sorts of uh, paranormal uh, phenomena in his uh, home, and they were taking photographs of the streaks of light and, and weird uh, balls of uh, light outside the house, and uh, and things that you can't explain, and a lot of witnesses and people talking, but there's nobody there. And he claimed it was the CIA, and that they ha- that they uh, he saw them actually going into the neighbor's doghouse. I mean, that sounds totally uh, uh, crazy, but um, you never know, man. You never yeah, know. And the guy, 
CIA, no, but uh, maybe some other, uh, you know, uh, organization. I mean, CIA, they don't wear, you know, they don't wear, unlike the FBI, they don't wear suits. They don't have badges. Uh, they can tell you CIA, CIA till you're blue in the face. You know, how, how do you prove it? You know, yeah, or, know. I, I, yeah, yeah. So if you yeah. lean yes. more towards ultra-terrestrial versus extraterrestrial, yes. and you, but you still believe that there are elements of like a secret space program that probably have some kind of connection to these beings entities whatever yeah. you want to call them what what would well, their I don't, goals I don't, be? I don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know if there's a connection necessarily between uh, the two of them i i don't know i mean how do you how you do kinda, you, you kind of alluded to that though because you, you said well, that well the, you know i mean some people claim that there's 71 uh, types of aliens visiting earth well I think that's preposterous. What, what, uh, what is this uh, here, Shorty? I mean, we could have a police line up and and and, 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 and pick them out or something like that. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe maybe one group knows the other group, or some groups know some other groups, and some don't know anybody. You know, I now I think I, I've speculated uh, recently. I, I did a book called the uh, uh, the Matrix of Philip uh, of uh, Philip K. Dick. And the, that was uh, very interesting. I, I want to check that. Oh, out. it's it, it, well. That's see now. That's my favorite uh, 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 book that I've written in the last couple of years. Now that sucker is like four hundred and fifty pages. I, I, I've had uh, probably forty or, or fifty synchronicities, and I, I'm not just uh, talking about you know thinking of somebody and they call on the telephone the next day. I, I mean, we're talking about stuff that's just absolutely bizarre and out of uh, control. Now. Uh, Philip K. Dick, who, of course, was a science fiction writer, he believed uh, that we were li uh, living in some sort of computerized uh, 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 simulation, right. which is kind of strange in itself because he never owned the computer, <laughs> which I, I find kind of funny right, uh, right there. But uh, if you go to YouTube, and I think this is also on one of our clips on one of our shows because we've had his uh, – he was married five times. We've had one of his wives, uh, uh, Tessa. Uh, Dick on the uh, on the program, and uh, he was attending a science fiction uh, convention back in 1977, I think it was in France. Now, uh, if you know anything about science fiction, science fiction people hate uh, ufologists and paranormal researchers and conspiracy uh, buffs. Uh, they think we're uh, we're all a bunch of uh, uh, a bag of mixed nuts, you know. I mean, and the reason is because they have no intelligence of their own. They are told by their hierarchy, Isaac Osimov and Arthur C. Clarke and uh, Ray Bradbury, that there's nothing to any of uh, this. Because if there was anything to any of this, why would anybody buy uh, their stupid science fiction? Uh, well, they might have to write more books. interesting books. Uh, they would indeed, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and no offense to people who oh, enjoy no, that's that. All, I love all that stuff. It's still classics, yeah, yeah, but you know. They're, they're, probably, they're probably not listening to, the, uh, to our conversation right. uh, anyway. They're watching Star Trek or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, he appeared at this uh, science fiction convention in, in France. And they were having a press conference, you know. And uh, he, he sat uh, in front of the microphone there, in front of the uh, audience made up of uh, critics and writers and I guess just uh, uh, fans. And, and said that he believed that we were living in a, uh, you know, a, a, a multi-universe and that there was other existences and... Uh, uh, sometimes we could be in one existence and sometimes we could be in another. Well, uh, his, his stories that are on uh, TV, The Men in the High Castle, I mean, 
and and of course uh, all these other uh, 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 what was it uh, uh, Blade not Blade well Blade Runner but also t- a Total Recall that was based on one of his uh, stories right and uh, uh, you know he he some people thought he needed to take his meds right and uh, the science fiction people thought that he was absolutely nuts but last laugh is on him uh, because uh, on them because uh, he's more popular now than ever uh, uh, before and he did leave a, a kind of a hard life I mean it wasn't very easy for him like uh, a lot of writers and all uh, he began to get the uh, you know bigger and more recognized towards the end of his his life uh, in fact the first uh, movie uh, which I think was Blade Runner uh, he never even saw the completed version of it he had passed away Maybe he has seen a uh, rough cut or something uh, of it, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we're living in uh, a computer as a simulation, or I think it's a good possibility that we are. And and so what happens may have no relevance at all. And so that's where and, and, these these different things are able to come through, or yeah, we're coming yeah, into yeah, their yeah, space. Or yeah, it's yeah, this general yeah, kind of... Uh, yeah, you yeah. got it. That's it. And if, if, if anybody that's listening to the program is going to buy, never read any of my stuff which is hard to believe because uh, we got 305 uh, titles and have sold uh, a couple million books over the course of 50 years, which is no Stephen King. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, for this field, it, it, it's a pretty good uh, shot. Well, I would you know? say you kind of have a consensus with a lot of, you know, like with yeah. uh, people like Robert Anton Wilson or even the influences yeah. of someone like Burroughs or, I mean, it, that all kind of, you yeah. know. Well, you still have... You still have uh, your uh, Stanton Friedman's and yeah, uh, yeah. nuts and bolts guys. Yeah. Uh, nuts and bolts, yeah. Uh, who uh, want absolutely nothing to do with us? I mean, uh, uh, they just shun us like uh, the plague or something like that. I, I don't know, you know, I, which is a shame because I'm willing to uh, 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 listen to uh, you know anything that they have to say. But uh, for 50 years, I've heard Stan uh, uh, give the same lecture pretty much. In fact. I have a photo of him and me on the wall here. Must have been 50 years ago. He was lecturing like at NYU uptown or something like that. And and it's the same. It's the same story. And it hasn't proven itself out. I, I mean, uh, you know, these these uh, ships and the, their occupants they don't act. Okay, you don't ex- expect them to act exactly like astronauts uh, landing on the moon uh, would. Uh, but uh, uh, these people are, uh, are entities or whatever they are, just totally off the wall. I mean, they're, they're just uh, uh, they're flakes. They're 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 space nuts uh, or so, you know. I mean, it's just check out the literature and, right, and you'll find right. it's just it's all it's all random and it's all uh, it's all strange and it's all uh, bizarre. They come down and, and make us pancakes. Uh, oh, good! And they're not even very good pancakes. Right, right. I mean, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ain't no yeah. Waffle House. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know that. Yeah, that's a great uh, Joe uh, Simonton there. I mean, uh-huh. that's a great. Uh, I, I actually had some a brief correspondence uh, correspondence uh, with him back in the. You know, that would have been nineteen sixty. I don't know four or two or or pretty early on, uh, pretty early on out. And then, then there was the guy in, uh, in John, uh, I believe his name was Reeves, John Reeves, down in Brooksville, Florida, who walked into the swamp or into the thicket, and he met some spaceman there, and he handed him a scroll, some kind of scroll, uh-huh. and he went to the press or the media with it, and he unfortunately gave it to the Air Force. Now, that's a no-no. <laughs> uh, and when he got it, when he got it back, uh, I, I, he claimed that the scroll was uh, swapped out of it. Was it the same scroll? And they said that they had interpreted 
and it says something about we'll see you on Mars pretty soon. I, I don't remember the exact uh, uh, wording of what was on the scroll, but it, uh, you know, they kind they kind of poked uh, you know fun at the whole uh, the thing, and and, that, and that's uh, where it stands. You you you, you got. Now there are there are some cases that do have a a, a good degree of uh, evidence. Uh, there's a fellow in uh, Wyoming who I've been trying to get on my program for the longest amount of time, but his health isn't all that uh, good. Uh, his name is Carl Higdon. Well, back in the 1970s, early 70s, I believe, uh, he had taken off from work, and he wanted to go uh, uh, elk hunting. It was the opening of elk season. So he got in his uh, uh, 4x4 pickup truck, and he went out to a, a, a grassy knoll and got out of parked a, uh, a vehicle and got out of the uh, uh, got out of it and uh, saw a uh, a group of elk off into the distance. Well, he raised his rifle and aimed it at the uh, animals, and everything. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everything uh, around him uh, went silent. It was like uh, time had frozen. Anyway, he, he managed to pull the trigger, and a bullet went out, but it went out in slow motion and seemed to hit some sort of invisible um, barrier uh, because it, didn't, it, never re it never reached the elk, even though it was a high-powered uh, hunting rifle. Okay, the next thing he knows, he sees this cube, fairly small cube, I don't know, 20 by 20 feet, uh, resting on uh, some sort of a landing gear uh, in the grassy knoll, and in front of the uh, the uh, the uh, cube uh, is uh, one or two uh, beings, creatures, uh, entities. Uh, they kind of look like early punk rock rockers. They had straw <laughs> hair, straw straw hair that stood up. That's where punk came from. Okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe maybe so. Anyway, the next thing he knows, he finds himself. He finds himself inside the cube. Uh, in, and, and the weird thing, as if it's not weird enough, right? Uh, the weird thing is, is that the cube inside is much larger than the cube outside. And some of the elk have gotten into the cube in cages. What? Okay, well, I don't <laughs> know if the they world. walked through the... <laughs> yeah, they, whether they walked through the port door or up the ramp or what. Uh, and then he was taken to somewhere else. And he said he went into this building, uh, and it reminded him kind of like the uh, a Space Needle uh, in uh, the World uh, uh, the World's Fair, uh, you know, in uh, uh, Seattle. Yeah. Right? And uh, uh, from there, he could see out the window, and he could see people moving on the street, or the streets were moving. It was kind of like a ramp, you know, that we have now in the uh, airport, but this was long before uh, that. And some of them were human, and some of them were these uh, guys with the uh, uh, with the uh, the straw hair. And uh, then they put them up on a, uh, a device, uh, kind of like something you would weigh, uh, you know, somebody uh, on in the old days of giant scale. Except that he could hear uh, some motorized thing going on, and it seemed to be scanning his body. Well, eventually he ended up back uh, in the ship, and uh, uh, over uh, over the. Um, uh, the vehicle or the area where the vehicle uh, was parked, but somehow the vehicle had moved or had been teleported from the grassy knoll into the swampy area. And when finally he managed to get on the radio and uh, reach the uh, uh, 
the sheriff's uh, office, uh, they had to come out with not one but two t- uh, tow trucks and put logs and chains and the whole bit down to get his uh, uh, his truck uh, out of the uh, the uh, the marshy uh, you know uh, area. And I talked to him on the phone. In fact, I talked to his wife uh, recently. I'm trying to get him on the program. He he wrote a little booklet after you know 50 years describing this, but his, his health hasn't been good. But I, I would consider that well. Uh, also, too, when he was examined in the hospital, because he did have some problem with his uh, with his vision and all his face was all red and the whole you know the whole bit. Um, uh, they they found that he had had once had like. Uh, some some scars on uh, lung tissue or something to that effect, and they were gone. The X-ray showed that uh, he had been healed of this. So you, you've got all this evidence, you know, the twisted uh, 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 bullets and uh, uh, the uh, truck being uh, teleported into an area where he couldn't possibly drive, and and so I mean, there's an abduction experience uh, where there is uh, some evidence. I I would say that it's a uh, uh, a, a good chance that it actually took uh, took place. Tim, you've also talked a lot about your uh, synchronicities that you've experienced, and and I know that you see these as as pretty profound and uh, kind of an answer to some of this stuff. That there's more going well, on. Well, you know, I, I, again, it, it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of strange uh, uh, tripping uh, out, but I don't know I don't know necessarily what the the message is now. Uh, in the book, we do talk about uh, uh, some uh, cases that involve, uh, like, proof of life uh, uh, after uh, uh, death. But th- that's a whole new bo- uh, Well, here, here's a synchronicity now that I, I, I call it the June 24th enigma. You know, uh, Kenneth Arnold, who coined the term, uh, for the most part, flying saucers. We all know the story. I'm not going to get into uh uh, into that 1947 Cascade the Mountains, uh, uh, Mount Rainier yes. in Washington, the state, yes. nine, uh, nine crescent objects and the whole bit. Well, you know, he didn't believe that, uh, first of all, he had uh, about six or seven other sightings. I've had his granddaughter on my uh, program uh, uh, twice uh, now. Uh, he, he believed, oh, okay, June 24th, I call it the June 24th enigma. Uh, it, it's the day where more deaths of ufologists have have taken place over the years than any other day that we know of. About 15 uh, researchers, including Frank Scully, uh, Jackie Gleason, who had a massive uh, UFO and occult uh, book uh, uh, collection. uh, Really? uh, About 15 people have passed away on that day. Uh, The day of the uh, Kenneth uh, uh, Arnold's uh, anniversary of his sighting. Okay. That uh, that that's pretty strange uh, uh, in it. Uh, Frank Scully was another one. Uh, Frank Edwards, Frank Edwards' publisher. Okay, well that that's pretty strange in itself. But you could say it's a coincidence, right? Well, sure. Now, if you talk to his granddaughter, or if you read what he really believed about UFOs, he thought Kenneth Arnold thought that at least some of them were actually vessels that were coming from the other side. The other side being, uh, uh, you know, the other world after death, coming over to retrieve the souls of humans and take them back. Uh, that's Long, interesting. Uh, is uh, so. I mean, if if that isn't a, if that isn't proof, maybe that he was onto something. I don't know uh, uh, what was. And, and again, it's it's a really weird uh, uh, synchronicity. At least as far as I'm concerned, it's not like waking up and seeing. Uh, uh, you know, four 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 on the clock, or 
uh, something where people think that has some great significance or, or other. Now, I'll, I'll tell you a story here that that, uh, that I think is one of my most uh, bizarre. Uh, uh, we were talking about earlier about this organization in Tucson, long since out of uh, uh, business, uh, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO. Uh, both uh, Coral and Jim Lorenzen passed away many, many uh, years ago. I don't, you know, like uh, late 70s, early 80s, something like that. I, I don't remember the exact uh, uh, date. And and their files have kind of scattered all over. Nobody knows where they are. Uh, they're, uh, they might have had a son or a daughter. They're not interested in the subject whatsoever. Uh, you know, they were kind of embarrassed, I think, that their parents were even in, into this at all. Well, I happen to know the librarian for the organization. Uh, his name is Alan Benz. He still lives in the Tucson uh, area, and he used to correlate the files uh, for uh, APRO. Okay, so uh, one day he, he has a little uh, uh, UFO uh, group, actually it's pretty a fairly big group on the uh, uh, internet uh and he has every year he has like a closed uh inner circle a uh, meeting of uh, people uh, uh that uh, are friends of his and uh, he invited me uh to speak uh, uh, one year I, i'd been out there a couple of times and and so i i have uh, uh, friends in in tucson uh outside of my uh, new york uh, humble abode i I would say I probably more you know more people UFO related in, in Tucson than anywhere else, because uh, I've been out. My, my friend Brad Steiger used to live out in uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what mm-hmm. what uh, one one, one uh, weekend I decided uh, while I'm out in uh, Tucson, I want to spend the time to interview uh, uh, Alan Benz. Uh, about his uh, uh, dealings with the with the group uh, APRO. Now he had also been uh, involved in the early stages of Steve Spielberg's uh, movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, Columbia Pictures, I think it was, or Paramount, had called uh, APRO, and I guess they didn't want to be bothered with it. They didn't obviously know how big the movie was going to be, uh, and this was before Dr. Hynek's uh, involvement with the film. So they had their their librarian Alan Benz uh, talk to them on the uh, talk to the, uh, uh, the production company on the phone and send them whatever literature that they needed. So I, I spoke to Alan for maybe three or four hours uh, uh, about this because I was curious. Nothing that too many other people uh, would be. And, and, and finally, I closed shop there in in Tucson and went with my friend uh, uh, Sharla, who I I often uh, visit, and we go down to. Uh, Sedona, uh, which of course is a, a, a it has been a hotspot for a UFO activity and for um, multi-dimensional uh, sightings and incidents and things along that um, uh, line. And it's about a, a, a five-hour drive from uh, Tucson. And we didn't we didn't tell any a beautiful country. I mean, some of the most beautiful country in the Southwest. There, we didn't tell anybody where we were going. It wasn't really any of their business, and nobody really inquired. And it's a nice drive, and we're kind of, you know, relaxing as we go uh, down. We uh, stopped, uh, I think, at one point, I don't know if that trip or not, to see Chris O'Brien, uh, who uh, was uh, living uh, in Jerome. And Jerome, Arizona, is said to be the most uh, haunted, uh, uh, you know, like city in the uh, in the country or something like that. Okay, so we get to uh, 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 Sedona, and uh, we're, we're still in time for, for brunch. 
I guess it was it was a it was a Sunday. I, I if I would imagine Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember which. And we stop in and we have our bloody mary, just one, just one, mind you. And we eat outdoors, and it's beautiful, beautiful weather. And uh, you know, then finally uh, we go and we pay our uh, uh, bill, or I paid the bill. And you know, I've had other. Uh, the name of the restaurant is the Coffee Pot. They serve a hundred and three different kinds of omelets. I mean, you can get down to like a hundred. Uh, number one hundred and one is like uh, peanut butter and pineapple. I, I mean, it gets <laughs> a little. It, it gets. It, it gets a little. It, it gets a, a, a cream cheese and jelly. Or, uh, it gets a little gross out as you go down the uh, uh, as you go down the menu, you know. But uh, yeah, 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 you, you can get an exotic omelet. I've never seen a place with 101 omelets uh, before, and I don't know if, if I want to. But okay, so we finish our, our our brunch and we go out into the parking lot, and uh, Charlotte is doing the uh, the driving, and it's um, not parallel parking. It's uh, you know the kind of parking where the cars just stick out of the. Uh, between the lines, I don't know when you get a car, you know, like you park in a parking lot. Yeah. Okay, so we go, uh, uh, we go to get into her vehicle, and there's a car uh, parked next to us that's sticking out a little bit further than possibly it should be, and we happen to glance at the license plate, and I have the photo in my book. In fact, I have it on my desk here. What does the license plate say? A P R O, APRO. How in uh -huh. the hell manage that? First of all, like I say, the organization has been uh, uh, out of existence for 30 uh, years. Nobody knew that we were going there. Even if anybody knew we were going there, how the heck would uh, would they know where to park next to us? It, it just, I mean, that's just, that's just like blowing, you know, that's like a a, a, a thousand. Yeah. I, I mean, and and, and the the uh, the experiences that I have in the book. There are about 40 of them. They're all like that. We're not talking about, you know, thinking of somebody and they call on the phone the, the next day. We're talking about hardcore synchronicities. Now, some people think that uh, that uh, somebody is planning, uh, you know, your destiny or, or, or setting these uh, uh, synchronicities uh, up. Uh, there was a fellow. He's uh, deceased uh, now. In fact, almost everybody good is deceased. Uh, his name was um, John C. Lilly. He wrote a book yeah, on communicating yeah, with with the dol dolphins. Well, he also talked to aliens. Was he and the one that did the experiments with ketamine? That's yeah, he did right. The, the altered states was ketamine and LSD. Oh, yeah, that. That, that is that is some weird stuff, man. Yeah, it's like yeah. you talk about echo earthquakes control office. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, wish that on anybody. Unless <laughs> 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 you want to talk to uh, you know uh, aliens, but you might get a giraffe instead. I, I don't know. It's, Take uh, like 20, kinda, 20 hits and get in an isolation chamber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You take twenty hits. I sure did. Okay, I'm not. Uh, any, any, anyway, I, I tried that once. I wouldn't go near that. Uh, uh, again, I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's like you're frozen in time or something. I don't know. Somebody, my date for the evening fell into a trash can or something. I, she, she didn't, she didn't think she could get out. I, we weren't talking to aliens. I had, a, uh, I had an old hippie sure. friend of mine tell me, man, sometimes it's not a bad trip or a good trip anymore. It just is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Ah, you know, I, I, I pity the animals that have to take it as a tranquilizer. You know, man, that maybe they start talking to humans. 
Uh, anyway, he believed uh, in, in the uh, that there was a control board that was actually setting up these uh, synchronicities, and he had a lot of them. I mean, they're described in the uh, the book. It, 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 this stuff is just like too bizarre to uh, believe. Uh, I was on my way to uh, Atlantic uh, City, where I'm going tomorrow. Actually, don't even gamble. I just like to go because I like to look at the uh, the ocean, and it, it's a nice ride, and you can get a a room for fifty bucks. I mean, it, it's like unheard of. Okay, so I'm going down with my um, uh, friend Maria D'Andrea, the psychic, who's written out a dozen books uh, for us. And, and we chit-chat and, and, and take a nap on the bus the whole bit. But finally you get to Atlantic City and you start going down some of the side streets. Now, about a, a block uh, or two before you get to the uh, hotel, there is a bed and breakfast. And on the roof of the bed and breakfast are... Statues of the Blues Brothers, uh, Dan Aykroyd and, uh, and, and John Bellucci, right? Well, we all know, or we should know, that, of course, that Dan Aykroyd is a big UFO uh, buff. In fact, most people don't realize that in his house growing up, you know, he, he co-wrote uh, Ghostbusters because he was influenced by his grandparents who used to hold seances, and yep. he used to watch the, the goings-on. Uh, from, uh, yeah, you I know, think they the were spiritualists. Of, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Spiritualists, yeah, yeah, yeah spiritualists. Yeah. In fact, I think his dad, his dad wrote a book, a very good book on uh, on all of this. Uh, he may still be uh, alive. He was the last that I, I heard. He's also a comedian. Okay, so I stopped to tell, uh, the, the bus is going by, and we're looking at the, the, the Blues Brothers, and I, I mentioned to Maria all of this, the Ghostbusters, and she knew uh, some of that. And, you know, he was uh, financially uh, backing, uh, to some degree, uh, the Mutual UFO Network uh, for a while. He did a video uh, on, on UFOs. Okay, so we get to the, uh, the casino, and when you get out of the casino, the, uh, you get off the bus, they give you a voucher, and you take the voucher to the uh, cashier's uh, cage, and they give you a big 25 bucks, which you're going to lose in two minutes anyway. Okay, so we, we do that anyway just because it's, it, it's something to do. As we get up to the cashier's gate to do this transaction, there's music playing in the uh, in the uh, the room, which is really the bus station. It's not a DJ or anything like that. It's like Pandora or something. Who knows? It's coming from Minnesota or Wisconsin or or something. What do they start playing? The theme to Ghostbusters. Of course. <laughs> No, it, unless there was a microphone hidden under our seat or the, uh, the Jeff the Talking Mongoose was sitting next to us and we didn't know it. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a book. We're, we're reprinting the old book by Harry Oh, Price. are you? Cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I almost paid $1,000 for it, but I found somebody who had a PDF and they shared it with us. So we're adding some new material to it and uh, you won't have to pay $1,000 for the book. You can get it for 20 bucks or uh, thereabout. Tim, it, it are might you be out by the end of the year. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with uh, Mike Clellan and his work on synchronicities and owls and all that? Are you familiar now, with that? We've had a yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we've had a, we, we've talked a, a lot about synchronicities, you know, because it seems like almost everybody's had one. Once you bring up the subject, yes. nobody's had the stuff I've had. I mean, uh, hell, I, I was in San Francisco one time, never been in the city before, and I had given a lecture uh, on, on UFOs. This is some small group, did three, four hundred people. And uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. I, I was going back to uh, New York here, 
uh, and we had some time to kill. So we picked a restaurant at, at, at uh, uh, random to have brunch. Never been in the place. They had never been in the place. I had never been in San Francisco before. It was a whole new uh, uh, thing uh, to me. So I, just idle chit-chat with the organizers, his wife, and a few other people. I said, you know, I wish I had thought about it and I had spent more time maybe calling up some of the people that I knew who moved from New York to uh, uh, San Francisco. And I mentioned one fellow by the name of Alan Vaughn who used to lecture for us at the uh, New York School of Occult Arts and Sciences. And uh, uh, he had moved to San Francisco to become editor of a glossy magazine called Psychic, long since out of business, like everything else. But uh, he was also a, 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 a somewhat of a medium and a psychic. And I always liked him because you could share a beer with him and he had a good sense of humor. So we're talking about this. Two minutes later, the door to the bar opens and in comes this guy walking his dog on a leash i look at him he looks like alan vaughn he walks over to the table it is alan vaughn and, and yeah we invited him to sit down and he said he had never been in a restaurant uh, uh, before either it was just out as walking his dog and he figured that he would stop in for a uh, a beer so I, well you know we all got a kick out of that that, that was one of my first uh, early uh, synchronicities that i noticed that's the one that uh, that kicked it towards the uh, goalpost, but here here's the punchline. I said, "Well, Alan, you know this is a very peculiar set of circumstances, and and so what are you working on these days?" Well, he says, "You know, I'm working on a book on coincidence, so I, I guess uh, this will be one of the stories in there." And lo and behold, <laughs> if you can find that little book, uh, I think it's published by Ballantyne, their paperback books. It it sells for uh, sold for fifty cents or seventy five cents in the day. You could probably uh, find a dusty copy. Uh, for a, a two or three uh, bu uh, bucks. Uh, I think it's case 37 where he talks about it for a paragraph or two. Uh, that's it. Anyway, I've told my story. I, I've, I've done it. You know, I mean, uh, that's that's what happens. Yeah. I got one. Did you want to ask something, Sergio? Oh, no, no. Okay. I think we covered it. I got one question for you. Um, this, is, right. this is dealing with the New York Dolls. Uh, yeah, okay. The, I don't know if you've seen the the HBO series that was on for one season called Vinyl. Oh, Vinyl. Yeah. One of but, my favorite. I, I, I was hoping they'd come back with a... Uh, yeah, uh, they a did second, not. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, I, I liked it, it a lot, too. Hotel? Was it about the hotel? Uh, um, actually, about the venue that collapsed. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, yeah. But nobody nobody was in it. Okay, so... And it, it, yeah, it, it, it wasn't... No, no, it, it was not during performance uh, hours. Like yeah, they showed, yeah. Oh yes, in in the Mercer Arts Center, they showed it in there, and they made it look like a, it was a uh, a large auditorium. The Dolls or none of these New York bands had that much of a following. It was a pretty small uh, place, uh, made up of several rooms, if I remember, and it was attached to a really sleazy hotel. Um, I don't want to say the name of the hotel because I might not get it uh, correct. And it was a uh, a hangout, uh, an after hours bar, a hangout for drag queens and uh, uh, I don't know, just uh, uh, bizarre. You know, in those days it was uh, it was it was Bohemia. This was uh, you know New York uh, City, but it did collapse. But nobody was hurt because I don't think that anybody was in there. Okay. And it's a little different than than they they showed in. Yeah, the, uh, I was about to say like that. <laughs> I was wondering yeah. about that because I'd heard about that yeah, that yeah. it had collapsed and I don't know yeah, like had, the, yeah. the New York Dolls actually brought it down. I didn't. Know. 
That's actually what uh, <laughs> well with the, with their with their with their platform shoes. Yeah, uh, and and their and and their tea and their teased hair. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if anybody wants to go to our uh, YouTube channel, which yeah. is Mister UFO's Secret Files, uh, I think that's uh, uh, the the interview with the uh, Arthur Kane's uh, uh, wife, uh, Barbara, uh, is there. And you know they had a lot of UFO experiences. Now he became a uh, a member of the uh, Mormon Church at the uh, and yes. uh, uh-huh. uh, I think like a library uh, librarian or arch- archivist or yeah. something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we, we still talked on that. we didn't talk on the phone that much, but you know we were we we were in touch through other musicians and stuff uh, like that. And like I say, he passed away on my uh, birthday and never got to perform in New York. They had gotten back together. After 30 years, this uh, British musician, uh, Morrissey, I, I guess, had liked the group, and he uh, f- uh, financed or organized the tour. And they were making the uh, the rounds, and they were supposed to play at Randall's Island, and he passed away, and the yeah. show was uh, canceled, and that was it, yeah. I think it's just Sylvain, Sylvain, and David Johansson, right? They're the only two that are left? Yeah, yeah and uh, yeah. David jo- David Johansson has always been on his own trip. Yeah. Uh, I'm he he never really uh, I uh, actually uh, Arthur uh, you know tried to get in touch with him over the years uh, to get him to you know to to, to do reunion shows and he wouldn't even answer or anything. Yeah, cause uh, I remember him the, from the eighties as Buster Poindexter. Yeah, you know? band, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's still, I think he still uh, performs every once in a while. The only band that's uh, left from that era, and they used to play with some of the bands that I was managing, is Kiss. Yeah, they, uh, they yeah. are. Uh, Supposedly on their final uh, uh, tour. I was probably backstage for more Kiss concerts than any other uh, uh, band, I would I would say. In fact, uh, I think Gene Simmons has a house here in Nashville, I think. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. He, he's, uh, of course, the one that, uh, you know, to become the most uh, uh, recognizable uh, figure. Uh, Ace Freely, I think, uh, recently did a new, uh, uh, you know, uh, album. And uh, Ace had some UFO incidents and things that happened to him. He, he told me, uh, why, in fact, that's where I got the name uh, Mr. UFO. He could never remember my name, but he knew I was a UFO guy or something. Uh, but then when I saw him years later, he didn't even remember that because he was hitting the bottle a little. Did you? Uh, um, it, it, it's, not, it, it's not a secret. I mean, he sure. recognized yeah. that, and I think he's sober, you know, and all that. You had some association with Bowie, too, didn't you? Well, yes. Uh, uh, in fact, this is the the next book that I uh, either be this or Jeff the Talking Mongos. Uh, it's a book on David Bowie, which uh, is centered around uh, my friend, the late Wally Elmlark, who was the White Witch of New York, and oh. she wrote uh, uh, she wrote a column for a Circus Magazine, which was uh, a glossy version of Seventeen, named maybe a little bit uh, older audience and. She also did columns for like Melody Maker, and uh, she was a very uh, attractive uh, woman. And uh, they, uh, a lot of the the rock people, as we know, they had UFO experiences and paranormal experiences, and they were interested uh, in uh, in learning uh, about witchcraft from her. And uh, Bowie, now he had uh, purchased a house out there in California, and there was some demon in the swimming pool, uh-huh. and he had got yeah he had got. He had gotten in touch with her, and she uh, gave him a, a formula 
or a spell or something for getting rid of the uh, demon. Although Angela Bowie claimed that the face of the demon was still on the bottom of the pool, if I remember correctly. And it, he was, of course, interested in, in uh, UFOs and uh, uh, was uh, apparently editor of a, uh, a British UFO newsletter when he was a kid and had multiple sightings. And he thought that they were interdimensional uh, and all. I talked to him on the phone a couple of times. He actually called here looking for her, for my friend Wally. And uh, Robert Fripp, uh, we, we had uh, a couple of experiences when we went out sky watching with him, you know, from King Crimson and uh, Mark Boland, she had befriended. So uh, that, that's coming out uh, soon. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's probably, uh, you know, I've, I've covered about uh, everything I can think of at the moment. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's a good place to stop. I think we kept yeah, you a little yeah, bit longer than yeah. an hour. So. Well, that, that's, that's all right. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do it again another time if yeah, you uh, would yeah, like. Especially, and, uh, I want to uh, get uh, more into that yeah. Bowie book. That sounds really fascinating. Okay. All right. Well, when the book is out, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a show. Part, uh, we'll do a celebrity night if you want. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That would be great. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we could do that at... And of course, you know, I, I have a, uh, having a published three hundred books. We we've got a lot. We've got other people who are conspiracy minded and UFO minded. Uh, you know, who who make a very good uh, guess. We even published. Now, I'm not a very religious person to say the least. But the one uh, person outside of Frank Strangers, who's uh, deceased, of course, who claimed that he met Val Thor in the Pentagon, is yeah. the uh, rever- is the Reverend uh, Barry Downing. Who wrote one of the first book on ancient astronauts? Uh, a kind of uh, 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 saying that a lot of the things that took place in the Bible may have been uh, space people, and that the angels could have been space people, and uh, and and Jesus could have risen up in a UFO to heaven or something like that. Well, he had a book manuscript that he had laying around for about forty-eight years. In fact, I think the original uh, uh, book was published uh, even a year maybe before Van Daniken's Chariots of the Gods. And so I found out about the uh, the book, and I asked him, hey, uh, uh, you know, why don't you update it a little, and I'll publish it. And we published it and got him on the Coast to Coast and a, a few other uh, programs, and it, it, it sold there, and it's still selling. And uh, uh, if you want, hey, if anybody wants to find out about what we're uh, doing, if we've whetted your appetite, uh, you can go to conspiracyjournal.com and sign up for the newsletter. Uh, you can just find me, Google me, man, Tim Beckley, B-E-C-K-L-E-Y. I'm, I'm all over the place. There's no there's no mystery about me. There are no secrets that have not been told. And that's what I always say. Excellent, Tim. <laughs> Thank you, Section Out, and we'll be right back on Conspiranormal. I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, stay in the line for just a bit, and we're going to close the section. It was 20 it was it was the summer of june 2017 i don't know how i came across your guys show but i was mowing the lawn and i'm just like oh what's this because you know it sparked an interest and i've always my whole life i've been just kind of into all this topics that you guys and uh i started listening and then all of a sudden i realized i was like man there's a lot of catching up that i gotta do because these guys started All the way back, I don't know, 2015? So 2012, I kinda, 2012, yeah. Excuse me, 
2012. So I went on this like binge to where I was like listening to a show almost every day. And uh, with my day job, I'm on the road. So I got a lot of windshield time. Yeah. yeah. So it was great. So in between my sales calls and what have you, I would be just tuning in to your guy's show. And, uh, you know, there's only so much of the same songs that you can listen to over and over Agreed. again. Yeah, but, I agree. I agree. That, but, yeah. You know, it's that, just rehashed over and over. That's how yeah. I pretty much got into podcasting was, you know, um, uh, del- delivering pizza for a, a long time. That, yeah. you know, you start listening to music and I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm delivering, I've got my little CD changer. This is how far back this was. Okay. I mean, you have a CD changer in your car. And it, so after a while you start getting bored with that. So I started right. listening to talk radio. This is when I lived in the Atlanta area and sure. that started brainwashing me. <laughs> and eventually I got, um, Eventually, I got to. I would listen to Coast to Coast at night when I was like closing yeah. up, and sure. I heard this. Uh, the, uh, the guy that you've probably heard on the show, uh, these guys uh, that were being interviewed by George Norrie called Ghostly Talk, and yeah. Oh, yeah. I started listening to them because I wanted kind of an alternative to Coast to Coast that I didn't have to pay for. I ended up getting a su- subscription later on which I don't have now, but you know, so I would listen to these guys and they would have on all these other people. And then from there, I picked up another podcast called world of the unexplained that I would call, I would call into those guys and I became pretty decent friends with those guys. They were in North Carolina. So it's a little closer geographically to me. And I always wanted to do my podcast and Dr. Future who just called me, you know, um, future quake was one of my favorite shows. And when he got off the air, he stopped doing it in 2012. I was like, well, I'm going to try to do it now. You know, I'm going to kind of try to pick up the mantle a little bit, you know? And so that's when I started. And and man, my, my first shows were just not that good. (laughs) I don't know if you've listened all the way from episode one, but no, but they were good. I mean, they were raw in the sense. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You could, you could see the evolution you know, as I was listening to the to the show, you could tell that you guys were picking up better um, equipment for the studio or what have you, and then just your whole production format. You, you guys were just starting to get better, and I think when Rob came on, it seemed like he really fine tuned it for yeah, you guys. He did. I he think did. he really edited that, yeah. So you could it. notice that, you know, for sure. Yeah, he um, he worked a big miracle because I mean the guy knew what he was doing, and he didn't expect to be a part of the show, but he kind of slowly, gradually became a bigger part of it. That's the Nashville influence because of so many audio guys here. Right. Uh, right. Of which Surfiel is one of those as well. And I got so. a brand new limiter <laughs> and studio B is going to be, on, if not on par, at least a, a, a step higher to Rob, Rob them. Well, you know, Surfiel yeah. was a fan of the show. That's how he started. Really? Out. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was on, it was on my journey into studies of James Shelby Downard that I came across the show, and sure. and now I'm talking to some of the top Downardians of the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, what kind of interests me is I took a stab at it back in 2008, 
I had my own blog radio, and it was kind of on the, not on the beginnings of podcasting, but uh, my show that I had, it was uh, it was live. And what made it hard for me, I only did like 35 shows. Was it like a blog talk hard- radio kind of thing? Got it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was the Jock show on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, it's it's kind of funny because the shows are still out there. And, um, you know, I kind of just winged it, and it was just me. So I did it, you know, like an hour at a time and what have you. But I was kind of surprised for myself that, uh, you know, people would call in, and I would talk to people from all over the country. And I kind of liked engaging just, you know, random callers that I had no idea who was going to be on the other end of the phone. Yeah. And, and some of the stories were just bizarre. Now, I'm kind of a skeptic by nature, although, you know, I'm kind of not. You know, I always take a, like a skeptic, like, a, you know, if you tell me something, I don't, you know, it seems almost too hard to believe. It's almost like I need proof, right? You know, but... You know, but I enjoy just all the wild craziness stories. The more bizarre, just like how you guys, the more bizarre, the more it blows my mind and the more enjoyable it becomes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so I had people that would call in and then I started booking some guests and I had some notable people on the show. But what kind of fizzled me out was uh, I needed a co host. And mm-hmm. my wife was like, no way am I coming on the show. She was kind of <laughs> not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried to drag her on the show. I'm like, come on, this will be fun. And she's just like, why are you just talking to yourself into this mic and that's it? You're just like talking, you know? So she didn't kind of get it. And I'm like, no, I'm like, there's people that are listening to this show. So she was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to bed. You just keep on talking <laughs> into your mic. Until you, you know. I'm like, all right, fine, you know? But no, after a while, I just, I kind of hung it up. And then, you know, and then when I found you guys, I said to myself, hey, this is kind of like the same kind of format, the same kind of feel that I like because, you know, this was something that I was trying to do on my own and kind of adding a little bit, you know, a bit of comedy to it. That's, I think, what makes you guys so real. It's just not boring and uh, uh, I don't know what's the words I'm trying to use here, but you know, you guys put some flavor to it. Like, yeah, that's, like part, of the, was that's not, part of the skepticism like too, the, you, know. you know. Luke was funny as hell. I mean, he's just, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, yeah. You know, what, here, here's what I like about this show. When I hear you guys just hang around and just talk, it's just like, hey, these are guys that I don't know them personally, but I feel like they're my friends and I'm hearing them talk. So whereas I may not be there in on the conversation, some of the things that are said during the course of the conversations or some of the things that are asked of hosts, I mean, it's almost like you guys are reading the audience's mind. You know, it's just like, wow, that's a really good question. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I feel like I'm engaged into the talks, even though I'm not there. But I'm there in spirit, so to speak, you know. So, but uh, no, you guys are doing a good job. It's just, uh, I think whatever journey you guys are on, you just got to keep on going. You guys just don't give up no matter, you know, and I don't think you guys will, but, you know, no matter how hard it gets, you know, just have fun with it. That's what I think makes it go. It's just having yeah. fun with it. Yeah, you know? thank you. Thanks, thank you, man. Jocko. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you because, I mean, I when I would listen, before I started doing the show, when I would listen to podcasts, that's how I felt, you know, like you're a part of the conversation. And mm-hmm. uh, st- 
I still listen to podcasts like every day, you know, uh, it's, it's a big part of, you know, of who I am still is, lis- is actually listening to other people's shows. And I, and I, you know, I still feel that that same way, you know, um, like, you know, I listen to strange familiars and where did the road go? You know, big shout out to those guys. You know, they've been a big, big support in the past. They're almost like, they're like our podcast family, <laughs> and like project sure. archivist too you know they're 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 another part of that but yeah i mean it, it is um it, it's amazing to me still just how many people that you can reach with this stuff mm-hmm. and and to really say that like you know when i would listen to shows and you know i was that guy that was inspired to do that stuff and you know, I, I would yeah. encourage you now, you know, if you, if you still want to do it fine and you, you have the time, which is always important, yeah. you know, find the, find somebody that you, that you can do, you could do it with or do it on your own. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly easy to do. Um, yeah. And it is, uh, to me, it is rewarding um, just to hear someone like yourself say something like that, you know, like we, it's amazing. The people that you will, you will touch uh, with it. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that, um, as, as when I had my show, I was kind of, I don't know, thrown back a little bit, how people were kind of depending on, on me, so to speak, to put out another show because of the emails I was getting. And um, it was just like, oh, I can't wait to hear your next show. And uh, I was just like, wow, people really want to hear this shit? You know, it's just kind of like <laughs> yeah, you know, the stuff yeah. I put out. You know, it's like, is it really that entertaining? And uh, no, you know, you'd have you know certain people that would always tune in. And, uh, yeah, what did me in was really the time element. You know, I kind of had a career change and I moved into an executive position to where I traveled the whole country. So it kind of took me into a spot where it's like, you've got to make the time for this. You can't just say, well, I'm going to kind of do it on this day and then maybe I'll come back to it. And Because one of the things is just prepping for a show in the sense that, you know, it was better for me if I had my materials ready to go right. and if I had somebody lined up right. versus just winging it. Right. So so I had hooked up with some people from uh, MUFON and the uh, Illinois uh, director here. He would come on my show and, you know, we had some, you know, things that we talked about. Then I hooked up with a guy down in Texas talking about Bigfoot and that kind of was cool and then i had some ghost shows and you know once you had some like re reoccurring guests it kind of made the show kind of somewhat go but uh yeah would kind of put the brakes on everything was uh just kind of my career but now you know things are kind of opening up and i'm actually thinking about maybe jump starting this thing all over again and you know my brother-in-law do it do it man Yeah. yeah you know he uh we're kind of thinking putting a little bit different twist, you know. Um, he's kind of heavily into sports and sports betting per se, on you know football and everything. So, so I, so I said to him, I go, so how are we going to do this? You know, you want to talk about sports and you want to talk about sports betting, 
and everything else, you know, but we want to talk about the weird and the bizarre. So how can, how are we going to meld this show? <laughs> and he was just like, well, nobody's doing it. I go, well, I, go, I guess it would kind of be the first of its time to get, talk about get a, all, those, all the psychics and stuff to give, you know, psychics uh, sports betting <laughs> strategies. <laughs> well, you know, my friend, uh, my friend Joe, I don't know if you've heard him on there. Uh, he's, um, He's he was one of my first guests, and I, I used to work for him. And he has his little like ghost technology that he uses, and uh, he he's actually using it to like bet on uh, baseball games. And <laughs> so he might be a good person for you guys to have on. Yeah, he kind of yeah. mailed those two together for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I swear this Skype is always just. I kind of lost you guys there for a second. I was losing my kind of connection here on yeah, Spike. But that's, that's that's Skype. For, yeah. We got we got uh, you recorded good though. We didn't have any yeah. interruptions on this end. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Now you said you had some questions for us, like anything uh, that you wanted to kind of pick our brains about. Well, just uh, you know, in in terms of your guys' show, I mean, it, it seemed like there's kind of this this kind of this net of people uh, call it maybe a spider web of just guests and everything. It just seems like what you just, you grab one guest and next thing you know, that guy's bringing people to you or how do you go about, I guess, um, you know, uh, finding guests, you know, what's your guys secret or whatever. I, I think for me, from the beginning, because I had listened to so many shows, I knew some of these people and I'd gone to, um, one of the conferences that I'd gone to, I went, I don't know, maybe like four times, um, yeah. to the mid South paranormal convention in Louisville, Kentucky. Sure. And when I conceived the show, you know, my, my idea, cause the name is conspiracy plus paranormal, the conjunction of right. conspiracy normal. It's actually not a, an original idea um, because there was a book called Conspiranoia that I pulled, kind mm -hmm. of pulled that from. But I just I I liked the fact that you know I wanted to talk, kind of talk about it, the conspiracy stuff and also talk about the paranormal stuff. And at the beginning, if you've heard the show, we were really heavy on the paranormal. And sure. the, the UFO subject, you know, is one of the, is one of the things that kind of combines the two in a lot of ways. So I think that's why sure. we've kind of gravitated a lot to the UFOs. Plus it, plus that's always sure. been an interest of mine. But so in the beginning, I kind of had this list of, okay, these are the people I want to get on. Uh, I want to get these people um, that I've been sure. listening to. For years now, I want to talk to them myself. So someone like Adam Go Rightly, you know, I'd already, uh, I'd heard him first on a show called Out There Radio back in uh, mid-2000s. And yeah. I started listening to his podcast and uh, was, aware of, was aware of him. And I was like, Adam Go Rightly, someone I want to get on. Uh, there was a couple of, mm -hmm. there are a few other people in the paranormal world I wanted to get on. And, and as I was listening to, I was listening to other podcasts, I would get an idea. Okay. Like I want that person. And th now, as I kind of told you that there's a, 
where did the road go that we kind of have a little family there with those guys and sure. a lot of those guys you know i i can just because i, I kind of consider them friends that i can you know get them on pretty much any time so that's good you know there's yeah. it, it's just kind of an evolution a slow evolution of development um i think there was a quite a few i mean there was what I started listening to Ghostly Talk in like 2005, and the first Conspiracy Normal show was 2012. So yeah. what is that? Seven years, basically. Years, yeah. yeah, and so you know, uh, from of you know these, if I ever do a show, was what I told myself. Um, these are the people I want. Sure. And I got them on, and so. Uh, a guest would mention another person and say, okay, well, that's interesting. I'll check that out. Um, yeah. You know, uh, go rightly mentioned Walter Bosley early on. Yeah. And then yeah. I hear Walter Bosley on darkness radio. Darkness radio was probably one, which was probably one of the biggest sources for me of, yeah. of the, of hearing these guests. I hear Walter Bosley on, and he's never been on Darkness Radio ever again, but he's been on Conspiranormal like mm-hmm. 8,000 times. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, and I didn't realize at the time that, you know, Go Rightly told me about Bosley the first, like the second time sure. I had him on. So it's yeah. just, it's just a link that these guys know each other, you know, like, um, uh, it, you know, go rightly knows greg bishop and they know walter bosley you know like i I joked with them i said you know you guys those are like i said you guys are like the holy trinity out here in california you know bosley bishop and go rightly you know (laughs) and and it's just like whatever your your line of inquiry is you know whatever books you're reading you know these people aren't inaccessible you just write them a fucking email yeah sure (laughs) sure yeah, sure. and, and there are some people that I've wanted to try to get on tumbleweeds. You don't hear anything, um, right. right? There's 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 a few that um they want you to be on the radio, or they right. want to know you know how many listeners do you have? We have a decent I, I, amount of yeah. listeners, but uh, sometimes yeah. with the sometimes with people you will just you'll just hit a wall and that's just how, that's just how it goes. Yeah, no, that's funny how it still holds true because when I was kind of taking a stab at it, you know, for me, it was like, you know, asking the girl out to prom. Oh, she says, no, she says no. But I was kind of, you know, testing myself and saying, well, you know, let me see if I can get this person on and, uh, you know, let's try and, you know, shoot for some, uh, uh, pretty big time people. So like, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is a big time person, but you know, uh, Linda Goffrey, you know, she's Mm kind of in my neck of the woods. She's just right across the border here in Burlington, Wisconsin. So I got her to come to the show and, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised that, you know, but again, I felt like that was kind of like not the beginnings of blog radio, but in 08, you know, it was kind of all coming together and, uh, yeah, it was like kind of fun just trying to, uh, to kind of get some, you know, to get these kind of people that, you know, have a background. But I really enjoyed, because I guess, you know, my kind of roots go back listening to the Art Bell show, just 
kind of such as your guy self and everything oh, else yeah, like that. Yeah, it yeah. Just, of course. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, and having these people call in to art and you didn't, like I say, when you took that next call, you didn't know what you're going to expect. <laughs> and what he, he had his, and, he had his finger on the button though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was times I thought maybe he staged it up, you know, with, course, you know, with yeah, some of the, of course, but then, you know, I always kind of felt that, but then, there were some that were just like, are you kidding me? You know, they were just so bizarre and freaky. That's what it's kind of, but no, that's like, you know, same thing. When I was doing that blog, that blog talk, you know, I, you know, say, hey, call into the show. And I get these people that call in and it was just a total, all of a sudden it turned into like an interview. It was like somebody called in and then I kind of just said, well, let me start asking you some questions. And then, you know, the people are like, yeah, sure. You know, and then all of a sudden it became an interview and I was just like, wow. There's a lot more strangeness that's out there, you know, going on just with that. Sounds like is, that was really your strength then to create that live kind of element, that immediacy. Yeah, I, I just, I, I just felt like I connected with some of the folks, you know, that were out there that called in on my show. I, I had some guy from Michigan uh, that was a uh, part of a native tribe, and he was telling me about. He just called in, and he started talking about shapeshifters and i knew nothing about the subject i mean obviously just you know by watching some of the shows on tv and stuff you know i kind of knew the subject matter but then this guy started talking about the dog man and this guy started talking about shapeshifters and all this and then it just got really crazy the whole show all of a sudden turned into really crazy and i'm just <laughs> like well if this guy wants to continue on talking oh yeah <laughs> and you know i'll continue on asking him questions and uh you know, like I say, some of my best shows turned out to be like that. I always felt, and uh, yeah, you could do that with uh, Blog Talk. They had that. Yeah, they, they exactly. had a phone number you could call in and stuff. Like we've never, exactly. we've never tried that. That whole thing. Yeah. It I, would be interesting yeah. though to experiment with something like yeah, that. Yeah, it would be for sure. You know, I found. Uh, you know, I. Just last week, I was kind of just like, you know, how should I, you know, because I was, it, it's, it's been in my mind to kind of, you know, maybe start this thing back up again, but I was kind of kicking around the different sites that are out there, and I looked at Blog Talk again, and I'm like, do I want to go down that, down, down that road? I looked at Anchor, I'm like, do I want to go down that road? So, you know, we'll see, but if I do this, the bottom line is I got to commit the time and say, okay, if I'm going to do this, it's yeah. got to happen. I can't just do 30 shows again and just sign off. I just, I feel like it's not doing a justice, you know. Well, just one, you know, fine, one day a week. That's what we do, you know, one day a week where we can actually get together and record it. And then yeah. the rest of the week, when you have a few minutes, you just, you know, organize it and figure out who you sure. want to be on the show and give, if you have another person with you on the show, give them the heads up. And you guys have to read a book in a couple of weeks or, you know, you just make a little calendar. And Sure. Let me ask you guys this. Is yeah. there a particular... Out of all the different subject matters, is there one that you guys say, well, I like this the best, you know, well, this type of subject? I'll let Adam go first, but he already knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it, it's a lot of it is really so fascinating to me, but probably for me, the most fascinating is really looking at the UFO or the alien abduction, more the alien abduction phenomenon, really, for me, as sure. opposed to seeing something mysterious in the sky. 
of looking mm-hmm. at that as as akin to a, a shamanic experience or some kind of religious experience mm-hmm. that it's just a modern day form of of it so the alien the what we they say quote unquote alien contact experience is really sure. just modern day religious experience uh sure. that to me is probably the most fascinating and when you get into what ancient cultures experienced as opposed to now um kind of you know that makes i think a lot of people that have the nuts and bolts idea about ufos and flying saucers and alien abduction that it's it's all physical it's all real they think when someone says that that they are actually denigrating it to a certain point but the truth is to me that's way more fascinating than mm-hmm. aliens from another planet mm-hmm. it, it's and, and there could be some i think there really are intelligences that really do communicate with us and that we are that they are just part of they're either part of us or they're just part of this planet. Um, sure. Josh Cutchins work in looking at the Fey folk and fairy lore. Uh, that stuff really fascinates me. Yeah. Cause I yeah. think there's really, there, there really is something to all that. Um, yeah. You know what a fairy is now or a fairy was then that's an alien experience. Um, his comparative stuff. I don't know if you've read any of his books, but uh, I would recommend all three of them just yeah. for the simple fact that Josh looks at all this and he just compares these different experiences and he's able to come to, to, to he's able to come to just a really fascinating conclusion. Uh, I mentioned it in the, previous interview which you'll hear i'm sure with tim beckley but um mike clellan's work is mm-hmm. also extraordinary uh with the owls and with synchronicity uh that stuff probably fascinates me the most uh yeah john tinney is another you know he he is one of the few actually he's the only one that i've ever seen on national television say that all this phenomenon is basically the same phenomenon. Um, so it, it, which is spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a spiritual thing. Um, you know, I started out with this stuff as, uh, coming from a more kind of a Christian point of view. And I still, you know, I still am, you know, I am a Christian of course, but, you know, there's so many different ways that you can look at this stuff. Sure. Like uh, sure. the word of the road go crowd, Soraya, you know, he got me think. they got me thinking in so many different ways <laughs> about all this. Sure. Surfiel <laughs> is next. Uh, yeah. Um, Shoot, go ahead. Synchro mysticism and the... Yeah. Down nerdy in view of life um, has really impacted me since I was a teenager. And I was, you know, I was, I grew up listening to Art Bell. I'm a weird desert kid and everything, but uh, 
starting to look at play the name game and go through life and accept synchronicities and let them happen and develop your own mythology is really uh, my favorite stuff. And uh, tying things into your own life and your own locality and the mythology of, of where you live and why you live where you live and those kind of things have, have really, uh, especially in the last few years, um, created a lot of very interesting roads that have gone down and uh, led me to uh, become a part of this podcast. And uh, it's been a wild ride. Let's <laughs> put it at that. Yeah, Surfiel's got some. He's uh, he, there's going to be some interesting things coming down the pipe from Surfiel here pretty soon. I think. Yeah, I've, so, I've been just I've been to, doing a lot of investigation, yeah. and I'm making a career change too, and in getting into uh, library science and archival stuff. So I've been really uh, taking my first dives into uh, just swimming in the uh, primary resources that are available everywhere, you know, especially in this country. And, uh, you can, you can really start digging real deep if you understand the history of where you live. And uh, if you're interested in anything weird, you know, there's, there's been a lot of people in a weird shit wherever you're at for a long time. Oh, that's without, you know, people, (laughs) that's funny that, that you say that because, you know, kind of bumping into people and they're just like, Oh, where can I go find a ghost or where can I go find something weird? And I'm just like, I think it's in everyone's back backyard. You just got to go for it. You know, do your research, talk to people now. Okay. In my line of career, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm an executive, so it's not something that you bring up, you know, when you go meet somebody for the first time, you know, (laughs) Hey, you know, have you seen a ghost lately? You know, people would be like, yeah, uh, there's the door and I don't think I'm going to be buying from you, you know, but you know, there are people that have stories and when you get yeah. one-on-one with somebody and maybe you loosen them up with some cock with, with, with some drinks and some, yeah. you know, you know, all of a sudden now they start to say, well, you know what, this happened to me at my house or grandma or, you know, I was in the woods or, and it's funny how a lot of that stuff kind of comes around full circle in one's own life too if you can reflect because i know for myself um i feel like i've got a story that i've got to tell so maybe just you know whether i'm going to write it down or how i'm going to put it out there because um i was a nuts a nuts and bolts guy when i was a kid like a teenager in the 80s oh me too 90s. me too yeah but tell you what now i don't know if it's my catholic faith because I'm not a hardcore Catholic, you know, but I am a Catholic and I, and I, and I do am a supporter of that faith, but I will say this. I am, I don't know if it's the older that I'm getting. I'm starting to think that there's something more to this. That's a deception maybe of sorts. I don't know. That's my own kind of belief on it, that there is something spiritual here. You know, it's, it all fascinates me when I hear these stories that people tell, and you know, on your show and on TV. But although on TV it's really hyped up, but you know, this format, I think you really get down to people really kind of spilling their guts, kind of really, you know, could kind of really tell like the true story. Um, 
And what I like about the podcast, there's really no money to be made here. You know, people are just talking, you know, and that's what I like, you know. And uh, free exchange well, of ideas. I just want to remind everybody if you if you want to make some money for us, please go to <laughs> patreon.com slash conspiranormal. You, you gotta pay the bills to turn the lights on and keep it going. I don't yeah, think that. Yeah. But uh no, it's just uh you know, the older I'm getting, the more I'm kind of getting away from the nuts and bolts, whereas I do believe that exists, you know, there are you know, creatures there are out nuts there. and bolts. Yeah, there are nuts and bolts, <laughs> but I don't really believe that they've got here. You know how the way it's portrayed. I just, yeah, I don't I know. Everything always elusive. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like it's everything always one step away. As soon as you get close to it, it gets yeah. further outside of your reach. I mean, do you think a, no yeah, one it, of these one of these airplanes has ever really gotten to it and shot it down and? I mean, come on. My my good friend uh, Guy Malone, um, he's he's been a big mentor for me as well, and um, he puts it in the way that say like, well, you know, there there is the universe is too big for there to possibly be no life or no intelligent life. That is one question, but the other question is, have they actually gotten here? And mm-hmm. that's a whole separate issue. And I Correct. don't think so. I think the simplest explanation is we're dealing with something that's already here. And probably predates us. <laughs> and if you want to call that angels or demons or fallen angels or whatever, you know, that's, um, I think that's all up to your perspective and what you believe about it. But it, there's definitely yeah the, the deception part. I I I used to be a lot more adamant on that to say that it's all a deception. But I do believe that there still is a part of there. There is that element is still there. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, there's 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 too much. Like, why do you have? These supposed beings from another planet telling Billy Meyer to deny Christ. Like, what sense does that make? Right. You know? right so, so right. there's, you, you, know, you know, but I think there's some of the, of these other beings that they are, uh, they may just be neutral. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. it'd be so exploitable if it was actually some more nuts and bolts. Yeah. Stuff like, I'd, you know, people wouldn't be able to use it for all their different purposes, and they wouldn't be able to stretch it this long if it was really sure. some nuts and yeah, bolts. Yeah, like. agreed, agreed. Um, so, I mean, and when I early on had Rosemary Ellen Guiley on, uh, this is probably like mm-hmm. episode thirty or something, and yeah. and uh, she's someone I need to get back on, but. Um, she had written a book about the jinn and the point that was made about the jinn in Islamic mythology is that they are just like us. And there's good jinn, there's bad jinn and there's ones that just don't care. (laughs) So, you know, it's all these, all these different traditions there, there is definitely something to it. Sure. 
Sure. What somewhat fascinates me is the power of the human mind and what we manifest. For instance, like the Slender Man. Yes. That on that on some level fascinates me that, you know, all of a sudden something got creative out of thin air, so to speak, and it's influencing society on some level in terms of, you know, like these preteens and these teens and the slender men and all that. Yeah. And you have that whole thing go down up in Wisconsin uh-huh. and it's mind blowing. Yeah. You know? The whole Tulpa kind of thing, even though, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of being, being exploitative and not, not being as, uh, uh, particular to what, you know, the cultures that have made the ideas of Tulpa actually are talking about, but you know, it's, it's that whole, the, us creating thought forms and, uh, us creating things that are external to ourselves and what those can do. And that's without a doubt. I mean, that, that stuff is, it is very fascinating to me also. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what lights that spark? You know, I mean, how is that? Or I should say, what lights that fire? You know, what gets it started? I mean, the same you thing know, that's created I, all mythology, all, you know, everything, everywhere. I mean, it's all the same. And then yeah. you go even deeper from Tulpa to this concept of the egregore. Yeah. That we coming talked from about outside, with, not with, being created from us, but coming from outside yeah, and us inviting I, in. And, 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 and well, also too, that there's this, the, 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 the concept that we can create a egregore slash Tulpa, but some other being can inhabit that. <laughs> this, this was, that was, that was one show yeah, was where show. It, was it was, show. it was, it was so hard for me to get my mind around that. And that was almost like Mark Stavish, Stavish in that interview he almost like he was like a teacher, like teaching us about what was about that. It was just <laughs> it, it, it was something that I had never heard of before, and I and I could not quite get my mind around the concept. I've through him, I've got a little bit of better grasp on it, but it, it uh, that stuff, man. I, <laughs> I'm I'm still agnostic about about that kind of general thing. Like I don't I. My the division between something from outside and something from us, and yeah. is is I'm very agnostic about it. I don't really think I can get a grasp of it, but it's it's very perplexing. It's crazy. Well, when you have a person like you know, I don't want to get into it now, but when you have a personal experience, yes, on yes. a religious level that that like happens to you. Boy, it makes you question <laughs> everything you know that exists in in life. And it's not just for me personally, it's not a situation that happened once, but it's happened throughout my whole life where um part of my faith and me have crossed have crossed paths in ways that I did not see it coming. And where I experienced some things that are kind of out of this world, so to speak, you know, uh, but it's just, you know, me either seeking things out or them happening just to drop in my lap. And I say to myself, now, how did that happen? And I know I'm talking kind of vague, but it's just, uh, I understand, yeah. it's, it's kind of amazing in that way, you know, how just things have, have occurred, at least for me on my own life path 
how I say to myself, well, is that validating or yeah. is it my mind or, you know, what's happening here? Because I've had things happen to me on a, on a group level was I, where I was experiencing things with other people. And then I had things where I was experiencing them on myself, you know, but, uh, you know, I know for myself, personally speaking, when it comes to um, ghosts, and I'll just use that as a general term, that for me, sure. I had an experience, so for me, it's a 100% real, in the sense that, okay, they are ghosts. Now, how, now how you define it, or what that means exactly, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that feeds off your negative energy, I don't know if that's something that that is a demon. I don't know if it feeds off of you somehow in some way that we don't understand. I don't know what that is, but to have physical stuff happen to you to where you were scratched or you, you know, just like the typical stuff that you see on the ghost shows. Cause I kind of laughed it off when I said, ah, you know, come on, you know, watching taps or, you know, ghost adventures. And, but then to have that happen to you and say, well, wait a minute, is this my mind? But then you see scratches form on your arm, and you're like, well, I can't make scratches just appear on my arm. I mean, is it my mind that's making three scratches look like claw marks just appear on my arm? And I say to myself, what is going on here? And uh, then I say to myself, I don't want this to happen ever again, you know. But um, it it really, when it when it happens to you is when all of a sudden it really raises a lot of questions. And, you, and oh, it's sure. hard for one to say that to somebody because someone that's never had those physical experiences, and I don't blame them, they will have those doubts. You know, anybody telling a story and say, well, I had this, this, and this happen to you, I wouldn't, because I'm a skeptic myself, I would be on the other side of that table and I would be like, well, is this person telling the truth? Is it a believable story? I don't know because I haven't experienced it. But the only thing I can convey is once you've experienced it, you don't know what to believe anymore because it throws everything up in the air. You know, it just kind of says, okay, you know, here, you know, my so-called foundation that I was raised on just got taken out. So now, so, so now, you know, what do I believe in? You know, what is the truth? You know, so, I mean, we can go on and on about all that stuff, but before I start going... Yeah, the, the 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 other the other fascinating a phenomenon that I have discovered, and this may be just more psychological, but still uh, influenced by the supernatural, is that you will have people that will tell you, "Well, I've never experienced anything in my life, but you know, there was this one time," and they'll tell they'll tell you the most amazing story. Uh, you know, Rob. Uh, it just came out in a show that we did with when he was still doing the leisure hour with uh, mm. Jeff and Renee. You know, he he came out and just tells me this story that is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard about yeah. having this elongated conversation with with something not physical. <laughs> and <laughs> it's the most materialistic yeah. people. Yeah. yeah, or not? I mean, most materialist right people you've I, I, ever met. I'm in amazing stories. I'm in New York City in Brooklyn. You know, um, Mm -hmm. the my friend is going to this hotel. He works as a chef in the hotel in Chattanooga. Uh, He is going to the. It's the same company. 
I don't know this lady that he is meeting that is also from our hometown in, in Brooklyn, New York. He makes this uh, comment that I do this podcast and that I, you know, I'm into all this stuff. And she just starts talking about, well, I was in California and I saw a UFO up in the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just these, just these are just these are ordinary people going about their day, going sure. about their lives, and they everybody has had some kind. I think everyone has had some kind of weird. When you put experience. it out there, when you put it out there, people really will just confide in you. All this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's you true. just got to put it out there. Right, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, you cannot deny their story in the sense that. That's their experience. It's an you know, experience, yeah. Absolutely. Right. And it changes people for better or for worse. It's an experience, you know, and, um, you know, unless you've lived it, you know, or been through it. And like, I've, I, I, now I'll say this. I'll, I have never had a UFO experience. Me at neither. Least You're not really. One that's, like, profound, like, oh, you know, here they come. Never, never, never. But anything that I've ever had happen to me has always been spiritual in nature or AKA ghosts in nature. Right. And yeah, when those things come, least expect it. I got to be honest on, on like some level, I have no desire to go and hunt for ghosts or go into places that I know. <laughs> that I, I really don't. And you know, this may be a stupid fear, but I don't want to bring it home. Yeah. I yeah. do. So, you know, I it's don't not a need stupid some, fear. <laughs> right. I don't need something hanging around my house, you know, but, you know, to have an experience with somebody else and you are both experiencing that, the same thing, yeah, that's that, a mind. Yeah. That is um, where it really happens because you, you can't second, just second guess yourself because I had an experience when I was young. I think I was about 17 years old and cool. me and me and one of my best friends saw a, like orb type of thing just fly through his backyard and we just had that immediate look at each other in the eyes what the hell was that and yeah to experience something like that was with another person where you can't just second guess yourself and what you might have saw and like no it it was something different very different you know that's 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 very special experience yeah, no, it's uh, at my place of work, which I'm no longer there, but I was working in this place of business, which was a warehouse. You know, nothing special. Um, at 4.30, every single day was when things started happening. And it was right when everybody left. And it was me, because I was running the place, and my warehouse manager, Jeff. And Jeff, is an, he, he is an atheist in every sense of the word. And he could not understand. He did not understand what was going on because of his own background. Right. He, he's like, what is this and what is happening? And what, and what was occurring was, you know, he got scratched. I got scratched, saw orbs, uh, not big orbs. It was weird about the size of like a dime and you could see through them and they were kind of just floating and and uh but total poltergeist stuff though this <laughs> we and I kind of regret doing this in a sort of sense but we kind of started it up in the sense that there was something going on and we were always agitating it to see if more could happen 
And uh, it started becoming a pest because then it started setting off the alarm 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I'd have to drive from my house back to work and and disarm the alarm system. And then the police were coming out. And now as a business, we were getting fined because the alarm, after so many, you start getting charged. <laughs> so the CEO of the company was just like, I don't know what's going on here. Well, why am I supposed to tell the CEO? Well, I think I know what it is. It's the ghost, you know, because, you know, he would look at me saying, what are you talking about? You know, so I couldn't really go there, but we had our phone system. It was uh, draining. It had a backup battery that would drain. And it came to the point where I told my warehouse manager, Jeff, I said, we have to stop. I said, is, you know, in a certain sense, it was kind of fascinating and it was kind of fun, but I'm like, this is no longer fun. I said, we have to continue on working here, and when it happens, just let it do its thing, and we can both exist here, and we have to let it know. And that's kind of what we did. We're just like, what's ever here, we have to work here. You can continue on doing, just don't bother us. And that kind of somewhat took care of itself to a degree. I mean, we stopped getting scratched. But when you and someone else experience that type of stuff, it it really changes a lot of things because I was just never one to say, eh, you know, ghosts, are they real? Are they I not real? I kind of deal with I'm, the scratching stuff. I've been touched, I think, but scratching. Yeah, the, yeah. the scratch was tough. The instigating it one day and having your, having your uh, throat close on you kind of like where you're almost getting sick and stuff like hmm. that, that was very bothersome. And then I had to run out the building and then it kind of cleared up. Uh, there's a lot of bizarre strangeness, but I don't know what that is. You know, at the end of the day, since now I'm no longer there, I moved on. We all moved on. I don't, to this day, I kind of still question. I don't want to go back because if I go back, I know this, the same stuff is going to happen and I'm not going to get closer of getting any other answers, you know? So it's just, it's going to be whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it just, it does question my faith. Like, what is that? How is that defined? What is going on? You know, so uh, I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know. You know, is it demonic? Is it just something that we just call a demon, but it's not really that simple? You know, so it's. Uh, I think we got to look at the definition of what a demon is. I mean, the the definition well, that's has, like the, has the, changed. You're so talking much about over the gin stuff, and that doesn't yeah. mean a demon, yeah. even though we might interpret that because of the civilization we come from. But right, I mean, just I I always thought in myself that you know that an, a demon was just a twisted angel, kind of like a. Like an orc as a twisted elf and the Tolkien right. stuff, you know, but right. that's actually that's actually really not what uh, what is even described even in the Bible. Um, mm -hmm. a, a demon or a daemon, um, in some ways, almost is a spirit, and that more than likely is a human spirit. That is. Um, not a good spirit. And mm -hmm. I, and I've heard it explained even in the ghost researcher, the ghost hunter community as being that, you know, look, if you're an asshole and when you live, when you were alive and you die, you're probably still going to be an asshole, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that, and, and even, even in the Bible where, you know, Jesus casts out the, um, 
the demoniac uh that is even described i think through the if you look at the the original language that that's that that that's almost implied that those are human spirits inside that yeah. that body now when you talk about a fallen angel i think that's a completely different thing um but uh you know i I've got some interesting. I, I've I've often thought about this whole idea of hell, and what that is, and not necessarily as this place of uh, of fire, and you know this this whole you know the the Dante's Infer- Inferno idea, but yeah. more of that hell is this place that is a separation from God, basically, yeah. and. Like just a further devolution of consciousness. These hauntings that are experienced um, in some of these in in these cases of violent hauntings, which I'm still really interested in, and a lot of you, if you listen to a lot of the the, uh, some of the early days of conspiracy normal, I did a lot of shows about this. That Mm -hmm. you know, there's this idea that uh, you have all these human spirits, but you have something that controls them. And it's almost like being stuck here in this realm without your body is that's basically a form of hell. You're just repeating these different tasks over and over again. Kind of like in Greek mythology, the guy pushing the rock up the hill and all that. From my uh, from my perspective, that's very Buddhist. Yeah. Too. That has a lot of correlation with with Buddhism and the ideas of karma. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So, yeah, there's elements of it that I feel though, that, you know, I think, you know, we, the living need to keep on living. I don't know if it's meant for us to start bothering the, the dead, so to speak, if that's what it is, you know, because there is this cycle, there is this, there is some kind of journey that these, let's just call them dead folks are on, you know, and what tasks or whatever they have to accomplish, I don't understand it. Just like you said, there's like some type of cycle or repetitiveness or something. Well, and I, have- I don't know if it's necessarily some embodied consciousness. I I kind of lean more towards just like time mirrors and this being residue of past conscious beings and lives. I don't know if it's really their, their um, consciousness trapped in this realm or something like that. I think a lot of it is probably just some kind of residue or some either us accessing another time or them accessing us. Which can which can fit in a little easily with this whole uh, the ancient Egyptian idea of which yeah, I've been sta- staring absolutely. at this picture in here. That's the, the, yeah, the, the soul the, being judged. The, that yeah. the soul was basically three part. There were three parts of the yes, soul. Yes, it's don't ask me to describe them because I don't really remember. I just remember that aspect. Yeah, and yeah. that's all there over. Was, uh, you know? Are are you guys Star Trek fans? At, at yes, all? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I love Star Trek. Yeah. There, there was a next generation episode where they where they went to this planet, and there was this tar, and um, that was the episode where um, 
where the uh, Natasha Yar kind of got killed. Yeah, because that's when Denise Crosby well, thought she was going to be big, making a lot of movies. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, she did Pet Cemetery. I mean, you know. <laughs> but that whole storyline was about these beings that shedded, I guess, their evil or all their bad or you know whatever. They just left it all behind. Yeah, and it formed yeah. this type of you know black tar mass. You know, and it's you know, and I just don't know if that's what it is in the afterlife. Is there a part of us that moves on, but we shed this skin that's all the bad? And is it that? You know, like I say, this stuff kind of just blows your mind because it just takes you in so many different tangents. And uh, it's just fascinating. You know, it really is trying to figure it out. But I don't know if in this lifetime we're ever going to figure it out. One of the things that I've not done a show on, and I really would love to get somebody on to talk about this, is the the reincarnation stuff mm. and the 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 children that have that's weird memories stuff, of yeah. past lives. Uh, right, they were in World War II or Vietnam or yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've read shit. if you've read the book Soul Survivor. Now, we always have to kind of preface this stuff and say, you know, if that's true, then um, that's pretty fascinating. But there's been, other than that child, there's been other kids that have said weird things. I mean, I have. I've I've heard people's stories in my personal life. I I have, we have a friend of the show that you may have heard on here. That she has a young child that I think is not yet three. That, um, you know, she posted today about something weird that he said. That he said, you know, I woke up and I was a baby. And she asked, what was I? What were you before that? And he said something very strange, you know, like, what is that? I had a friend tell me how his son told him, uh, I was a soldier. He said, oh, yeah, you were? Yeah. He said, yeah, before I died. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I like mean, before, I, he's like four years old or I'll, some shit. I'll yeah. tell you this. I, I've talked about this once on the show. When I was mm-hmm. young, um, mm-hmm. I have this memory in my head of, you know, the there's hills the sun is going down and there's a group of people milling around and i see this person on horseback with like the old kind of try like the napoleon kind of hat or the george washington kind of hat i can see i i can still vividly yeah i can still vividly see this in my mind now i don't know what that is I can explain that away and say, well, maybe I saw war and peace or some Napoleonic thing on TV, but you know, it's in color. My parents only had a black and white TV at that time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I would like to think maybe I died in some battle <laughs> somewhere, but, but I, you know, but I don't know. I, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's a memory that somehow is in there and then the next memory is my third birthday party or something like that. You know, it, it, I, I can't explain it. I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just jump to that conclusion of saying, well, I was some soldier that got blasted in Austerlitz <laughs> or something, you know, I, you know, it, it, 
Hey man, aren't you proud of died for Napoleon? <laughs> you died for France. Waterloo. Or yeah, but 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 these these type of things have happened again and again, and you know, and 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 it's odd to us in Western civilization, but in the East, oh, it's absolutely just like yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You know, you're on that. You know what the Hindus? You know, you're on that wheel of samsara. And the Buddhists want to break that will, and you know it's 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 a common thing there. You know they don't have there's the the doctor that um has since passed on that I, I can't remember his name, but he actually went to India and would interview these children that would say I was such and such person, and he would go he do the research in the next strange. village over, and that person that that person existed. I'm and a, I'm a, I, I'm a casual Buddhist, but I'm very skeptical of reincarnation. But I mean, yeah. the monk the monk I see every week yeah. from Sri Lanka was just talking about reincarnation last week, and you know, just so matter of factly, like yeah, you know, all these all these animals that are just constantly cows and pigs and chickens and just slaughtered, but the by the millions every year, they might have been humans. They didn't know what to do with it, so they just became a cow that gets slaughtered every year. Yeah, I was like, dang. I think I think that's kind of imprinting a little bit of their religion, their their kind of religion absolutely. and their dogma on it. But you, you know, um, but it's just so normal to them. Yeah, man. yeah. So I I wanted to try to get on this doctor that there's a doctor now that he goes and the kids here in the United States that are saying this kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's hard as a Christian to really rectify that with your Christianity because Christianity and in the Western tradition, it's you are single, unique, that you will be re- right, resurrected. Exactly. You're unique. You are created spiritually by God. Yeah. You're not just recycled through time. And I think that's more than Christian. That's that's. I think it's really a a, a Western thing, pre-Christian, right? To think it, of exactly unique ego. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's so uh, it's something that I really battle with philosophically. It, it's hard to rectify that memory that I have and all this other kind of strange proof from all these other children, and rectify that with my own belief system. Sure. <laughs> so I I struggle with that one. You know, yeah. I, I honestly do. Yeah, it's when it's your own experience and it's like a profound experience. I mean, how can anybody tell you to think something differently when you know it's there, you know, when you know yeah. this this is what happened to me. How can you explain it away? You know, it's fascinating. Yeah, no doubt. You you had mentioned um Steve Huff and I really didn't get a chance to really look at that stuff about the EVP. Um, yeah, I, you know I I I'm not sure if that's the guy that. No, because, that's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what to think about the whole it, e, the whole instrumental transcommunication and all that. I don't know what to think about all that stuff. So EVP. I'm interested in that. Um, especially the the origins of it with the Swedish guy who was recording birdsong and he got voices that he didn't know where they came from. You know, that's fascinating. And the instrumental transcommunication, 
That's a, well, that could be a totally different thing. And Steve Huff, uh, that may be the some guy when the um, the Constantinos. Do you remember this when the, the, the they were EV, they were EVP experts, and like right, he no, he I, went and killed her and then killed himself. I think right. maybe it might have been Steve Huff that was like, "Oh, I've got them on tape," you know, like really. He was really sensationalizing it and hopping on the bandwagon and a little bit like, dude, you know, like have some respect. You know? <laughs> the day of um, of uh, Burt Reynolds' death, he did something like that. That's uh-huh. on YouTube. Uh, what's the chef? The guy, the name escapes me. He was on CNN. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Bourdain. Bourdain? Yeah. yeah. The day that guy dies. He, he, you know, he tunes in his box. Uh, he's done Robin Williams. And, you know, that's where he gets blown up. He gets blown up by people and, uh, you know, they just, he kind of just says, well, it's just hate mail and everything else like that. Where he lost me is that he sells his, I'll just call him like a wonder box. I, I think, I don't know what exactly he calls them, but, you know, yeah. he sells these for like two, like I think for two to $3,000. Okay, I mean, it's, I don't know, you know, it, when, maybe it's legit, I, you know, I don't know, the, you know, what all, you know, goes in this box, but it seems quite uh, charlatan to me, so to speak, you know, and it's just like, yeah, it's like, it's Steve, you had me until you kind of said, well, if you want to get a hold of one of these boxes, you know, go to yeah. eBay or sells them and they're like $3,000 or whatever they are, it, you know, but, you know, I, it's just... But some of the recordings, I've, I've got to say, they're very freaky. When you listen to them, it's like, you know, again, maybe it's just me being a pussy, but it's just, you know, when you hear these voices come out of this box, it's just like, man, that's kind of scary. Oh, you know? EVP is very compelling. And, and, and I'll tell you, I went through a phase. Um, I got into the ghost hunting thing. I mean, I didn't ever actually, I, I, I have actively done it, but this was kind of yeah. after I was really interested in it. But it, you know, I got into the EVP thing like crazy because I was like, man, you know, what if you can actually prove that there's an afterlife? And I've since kind of walked away from that. But, yeah. you know, I, it, it, I'll i tell you this. Um, I, I was I would listen to this stuff repeatedly. I got obsessed with the EVP. Like I would yeah. listen to it. I would go to these websites. I would listen to it. You know, Ghostly Talk would have a lot of these people on. And, yeah. you know, I, I was married at the time since divorced and, you know, my ex-wife, you know, she's cleaning the mirror in the bathroom. She's kind of up on the, uh, uh, the sink area. Sure. And she feels something push her down. And really? after that happened, I was like, I got freaked out. I was like, okay, I'm going to stop this. Cause there might actually, I might actually be letting something in here and yeah. you know, it, 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 I, I think when you really get obsessed with it and it's not necessarily the EVP or it's the Ouija the board, egg, yeah. what are you doing? You yeah. become the channeler. You are bringing things in. Yeah. It's using you to come in. And I think that whatever happened, you know, that, and it, it freaked me out. Uh, I'll be honest with you. That really freaked me out when she said that. And, and uh, she didn't know I was listening to this stuff. She didn't know I was doing all this. And, you know, 
I stopped and, uh, yeah. you know, it still is interesting to me. It's still fascinating. But my other point about all that is that, you know, I, guys like Steve Huff and some other people that they want to try to prove this stuff scientifically. I don't think you can. I don't think no. you can prove any of this where I disagree, even with a good friend of mine that I just told you about is mm-hmm. like, you cannot prove this. This, this is in a, this is not in a physical realm where you can actually use a scientific method to prove its existence. So when everybody tells me like, I've got this, I, know, I can pr- prove this through this. I'm like, good luck. It's someone, not going to happen. Someone would have done it by now. Well, yeah. I will tell you, you know, going back to my workplace experience, you know, I, t- you know, I took my iPhone and uh, I was using it and I did record an a EVP where it said, get out. And it was quite troubling to hear that, you know, oh, and I still I'm have sure. my iPhone and I still have that file and I kept it. But to hear that say, get out in a very haunting guttural voice you know but yeah. you did not hear it at the time with your own ears but you hear but you know when you play back and it was a situation where i wasn't asking questions i just put my phone down and i recorded it and then me and jeff went into the warehouse away from it so then when we came back I said, well, let me play this thing back. Let me see if there's anything that, you know, came on this thing. And then you hear the get out. And it was quite freaky, you know, because, you know, you're like, how do I do, how do I duplicate this? How do you, just like you say, how do you make this happen to where you can prove it? I know what I'm hearing when I play it back. It's clear as day, but it just leaves you with more questions than answers. And, um... You know, I will say this, and this is not to go off topic because, you know, this could be a whole segment in itself, but I will say this. It seems like people that have dabbled, and, I, you know, I can't prove this, but people that have dabbled in these areas, there's been some bad endings to to people's lives or where they're going. Yeah, I agree. It just, not, agree. Now, I'm, yeah. I'm, now I'm sure there's people, I mean, look at the Constantinos. That didn't end well. Yeah, um, the that- dude from State. Uh, he got himself all messed up in drugs yeah. and hardcore drugs. Uh, what the hell is it? Ryan, you know, yeah, Ryan, Ryan yeah. Bull. Yeah. 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 There's some bad things and, uh, I'm not going to blow up the guys from ghost adventures, but they're kind of going down a real bad path. I mean, if you watch yeah. the evolution of that show, there was maybe good intentions early on, but it's gotten quite bizarre. I know they're trying to, you know, make the show and make stuff happen. And there's probably 12 hours for, you know, the 40 minutes that they're trying to fill. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to make any types of predictions. And I hope, you know, no one gets hurt or killed or whatever. But there's, you know, there's something, it seems like when you dabble in this stuff, there's not good endings. Well, there's when, not- when your whole idea is just to let in external, you know, I mean, that that's just, you know, yeah. even if that is... From a purely, you know, we always talk about this because of my philosophical, you know, stance, but in my philosophical uh, ambiguity and agnosticism, I don't know how much, even if this is purely material, 
when you are welcoming the id of your mind or whatever you believe in Jungian archetypes or anything, if you are a materialist, then even those things can bring about madness, (laughs) you know, even... Even if you are a materialist, exactly. so you can, you're you just opening up, up, you know, and just welcoming yeah. madness. It's you can get obsessed. Yeah, yeah. You you the the the. I'm glad you mentioned that with the Constantinos because that was kind of the elephant in the room. Yeah. When it, whenever that happened, and you know, I don't know their lives. Obviously, things right. weren't too well, but you know, it it was. That was one of the things of just like, if you're going to explore this stuff, mess with this stuff, you know, even John Tenney has told me, you know, he puts on, we, we actually talked a little bit about this of just how, you know, you got to put, he, he puts some, some kind of protection around himself. Oh yeah. And when he goes into these places and I think that that's probably a very important thing. And if you, if you don't, do that and if you don't also step away from it and just explore the positive side of everything then Mm -hmm. you are not you're going to steep yourself into the negative and that can have a big effect on you on your mental health or your physical health and you know this you know this is why i think like the ghost hunting stuff for me you know, it just wasn't for me. You know, sure. I, 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 why I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to do this. This is what I wanted to do. Um, right. Th- that part of it. But, you know, discussing it, great. But like actively engaging in some of these things, no. I mean, I think you have to be careful because you don't really know exactly what it is that you are really messing with. And I, I think the same thing goes with some of these people that now the occult has become a very um, popular thing now. And I think that a lot of these people that have gotten into this to say, oh, you know, that's kind of cool. I'll get into that. Well, sure. you better be careful about what you're going to go through <laughs> to get to, you know, to get to this ultimate goal. And I think some of the stuff with the occult is fascinating and interesting, but you know, there's some of it that really scares me. <laughs> I'll be honest. Well, where this is where I don't like where shows go is when, again, maybe this is because of my Catholic roots or whatever. But when you start introducing occult, like you know, okay, for instance, like on the Ghost Adventures thing, you know, they had this Halloween show, and now all of a sudden they've got witches on this show, and they're chanting and everything, and they're kind of glorifying it in a certain sense. Me personally, I'm not a fan of that. You know, I'm not a fan of that. And uh, sure, I don't know. I you know, for some people, you got to really be careful. You know how you go about it because it becomes like an obsession with this ghost hunting stuff. And it's always trying to get to the next, okay, I've got to get the next EVP. I've got to get the next picture. I've got to get, and and you're always capturing, you know, they seem like, you know, you've got all this time you're putting into this, hours and hours, just to capture one EVP. And it's just like, okay, I kind of look at how much time I have on my hands and to say, okay, you spent 12 hours on yeah. a location. Yeah 
capture one EVP that said, uh, no. I mean, really? I mean, it's just like, okay, now you captured it. You're not getting those 12 hours back. So, you know, and then where are we if now? If we really want to talk okay. about some amazing occult things, you know, you're a physically manifested being <laughs> for those 12 hours <laughs> in this universe with mental, spiritual uh, awareness, you know, I mean, it's like, you're going to waste that on trying to find something that existed before or, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of think that, uh, people get a little obsessed too, like you're saying, and, and don't recognize yeah. the miracles around them, you know, of life right now. Right. There's, there's you know, I, too busy trying to write on that. You know, there's so much, you know, you guys, a couple shows ago had a guy on and I, and I can't remember his name, but he talked about the intelligent, design oh yeah dr and, y song yeah 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 that was like perfect and you know what if you want to know we'll have him back what by a, the way oh he was he was he was great if you look at nature and how it's constructed you know it, it's pretty hard for me to say that there is no supreme being just based on looking at nature and the order and everything but it's just man that guy hit it right on the head that was a, that was actually a really fantastic show that you guys put on there. That was a really great guest. Thank that you. was one of the better. Guests. Yeah, that was really awesome. Because the guy brings up some real good points, you know. It's just like you know, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, you know, there's all this science and everything that we, you know, can show, but you know, it, it just doesn't cross over to where, you know, it really what does it prove? You know, what uh, you know, because people are still going to say no. There is no supreme being. No, you know, you can't convince those people. You know, it's just, and why even waste your time? You know, to a certain degree. You know, it's just. Uh, yeah, sometimes life, you got to just go and live life. You know, you got to enjoy life for what it is. Yeah. Because time on this yeah. is very short, right? I mean, shoot, yes. I'm 47 yes. years old, and I feel it's halfway over. Well, it is halfway over for me. I'm 47 years old. I mean, <laughs> this, this, I mean unless they come up with something that makes me live pain, for two <laughs> I mean, this, you know. this is why this is why when you i mean I, I, like the the great philosopher greg bishop says that uh you know do not engage you know uh, what's going on on facebook and like people trying to change each other's minds I'm like sorry guys it's not gonna happen <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's whether that's politically socially or even when the topics that we're talking about it's just not gonna happen you know and well, unless you're gonna engage with like a troll i mean how many yeah, times you want right. to go battle with some, with some everyone's troll, experience you know? is unique and a lot of times people really don't mean to argue with each other they just have different frames of reference and different language and you know they're not even really arguing with each other but it's just semantics yep just semantics yep yep pretty much well we have spent more time. <laughs> I, think we, guest I, I think we were going to try to do like 30, 40 minutes, but it's almost been like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. well, so, time, time, you know, as they say, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you, Jocko, for, you know, instigating hey, you it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. We haven't had an interview uh, of ourselves for a while. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, this was good, you know, to, kind of get our own perspective on things so yeah, keep on doing what you're doing you guys are doing a yeah. really good job and like I, 
I'm enjoying it. So keep it going. You know, give me something to listen to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we 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 got more coming. Um, there's uh, we we should have uh, we should have some good guests coming for 2019. So Doctor Future is next. So yeah. all right, Can't sir. Wait. Thank you so much. Right. Um, we're going to close out this section, but we'll be back to close out the show. This marathon on Conspiracy Normal. That was another marathon show with Tim Beckley and our listener, new friend Jocko. I was uh, very pleasantly surprised. We spent another hour and thirty minutes with him. That yeah, was supposed yeah. to be only that a thirty-minute segment, cool. by the way. Yeah, we we really delivered, and you know, I mean, you guys are getting some serious entertainment hours and hours. I know it's helping you through your work weeks and work days so just consider going to patreon <laughs> yes patreon.com slash conspiranormal you can join there if you don't want to have that recurring three dollars a month which you know that's less than a that's less than what i spent at starbucks for a uh, mocha frappuccino hours. by hours the way i spent six dollars hours uh, and hours that's only once and hours and uh i think rob has counted them i think there's like 17 patreon segments on there now cool. which i'm gonna cool. throw up the ones from last week on there as we're recording this week by the time you hear this they'll be up that promise is what led me to become a patron Yes, and we're almost like 100 bucks on there, so it pays for the show, but we'd like to pay for more, so please consider that. If you don't want to leave, do that. You can go to conspiranormal.com. There is a donate button there for a one-time donation, as we say all the time, and also, if you would like, leave us a review, please. Uh, five, five star is preferable. That just brings us up in the rankings. So, all right, getting to the end of the year. Well, first of all, what do you think about all that tonight? Oh, that's a, this is a great couple of shows worth tonight. Yeah, yeah, you got two for the price of one yet again. By the way, yeah, that was that was, that was not was intended, wild. but but uh, all right. Um, we're hoping that Mister Easy Street is going to deliver, <laughs> but. Uh, Next week, we've got Dr. Future coming on to end the year, but it doesn't end there because the week after, you will get to hear our year review. So, guys, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with Dr. Future on Conspiranormal. Cheese whiz.
University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.